Hello, this is the Crush Monocle Podcast. I am your host, Coop. This is my co-host, John. Howdy, friends. This is the show where we talk about stuff. All the stuff. All the stuff. Just as the theme song says. (laughs) Today, um, we are joined by a a special guest. Uh, (laughs) Me me and John, if you could actually see us, we're blushing and we're like super stoked about it. Uh, Our guest for this episode is uh, drummer, percussion extraordinaire, uh, he's been beating the hell out of drums for, I don't know, decades. Yeah. Decades. Uh, <laughs> he is, uh, the name is Kelly Scott. He is the dr- current drummer for Failure. Uh, and he has been for quite a long time since their, what, their second record, I believe. Yeah, 94. Yep. yep. And uh, he's going to be hanging out this, this episode. So you're going to prepare for a whole lot of fanboying <laughs> and <laughs> and lots of nervous chatter. Uh, hi, Kelly. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> you should get you should get a uh, pre-recording of like the crowd roaring. Yeah, <laughs> those moments. Maybe well, Kelly, Kelly, can I, going can off. I, can I, Kelly, can I tell you like a a, a failure T-shirt story just real quick? Uh huh. Okay, so I went to your show at Urban Lounge in Salt Lake City, and I think it was 2019. It was like right before the yeah. pandemic stuff. Wasn't that that weird stage? Yes, it's a weird yes. stage, and it's only about a foot high, so yes, like the audience yes. is right Super in your dark. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. So I bought um, a Fantastic Planet baseball T-shirt, uh-huh. and it was like one of my favorite T-shirts. It still is my favorite T-shirt, but I tore like a, a hole in the armpit. Uh huh. And <laughs> like I, I'm one of those people that like I don't want to go out in public like with a shirt you know that has a I'll hole just in put it. A right? patch over it. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> and yeah. so I was like, I was like. So talk to my wife, and I'm not trying to be like misogynistic or sovinistic. Or put a like, t-shirt under it. There you go. That's so. See? So you have That's all these solutions. I, I was like, I was like, babe, babe, my my failure t-shirt has a hole in it. She's like, oh, I'll sew it for you. I know you love that t-shirt, and I was like, yeah, I do. And she still hasn't sewn it, and it's just like sitting in this corner. And I'm like, Fired. oh, I need, I need it. <laughs> I, need, I need my oh, failure my t-shirt. <laughs> I mean, is there anything that she wants? I, I, I mean, I think you're probably right. I probably need to bribe her at this point. Yeah, right? you're going to have to bribe her. That sounds like a bribery right. situation. Or just get one of those. You can get them on Amazon. Look it up. You can probably look it up right now while we're talking. Dude, I bought it in the show. I'm not just, just going to buy one off Amazon. Come on. No, no, no. I'm saying get one of those uh, uh, iron-on patches. Oh, word. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like I had a pair, I had a pair of jeans um, that I really, really loved. And they they were thin to begin with, but right. after about six or seven years, like they just started to die on you. There were yeah. holes everywhere. Right. And I'd patch one and like three months later <laughs> there'd be another one. Yeah. By the end of it, there were like ten different patches. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, yeah. You know, before I finally like got rid of them and got a new pair. Yeah. Well, you're much my... better you're much better of a problem solver than I am. I'm just like and, relying... and, I mean in her defense, like sewing a hole, oh, I know, like oh, I know, will literally know. take you like five minutes. And because of where it is, it's not like it's got to be a good job. I know, I know. Like just paint two such a sides baby. together and you know yeah. act like you yeah. had a war injury or something. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Just, okay. You know, just like in the movies. Yeah. <laughs> my, okay. uh, my failure, my failure T-shirt story was I had a Fantastic Planet T-shirt when I was fourteen. When Fantastic oh, Planet came out, is it the and, "You Are Here" one? Yes, yeah. and I'm uh, the solar system. 
yeah, and I'm like probably three times the size as I am now. <laughs> yeah, than I was when I was fourteen. Yeah. So I don't know. It's I've got a bunch of those shirts I only wear at home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you, do you have a policy of wearing your own band's T-shirt? Um, you know. I don't anymore. I, I definitely <laughs> did have a moment where where it, it wasn't even just the band t-shirt in general. Like yeah. I was giving way too much consideration to what anybody else, like this world full of people I don't know, right. might think about right. something I'm doing or thinking or saying. Right. Um, you know, 90s stuff. Right. Um, so- Kelly, what's your thought yeah. on like as a part of maturity? Now? Like, if I don't know you, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> like, you can think whatever you want. I don't know you, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so along with that, yeah, I'll wear band t-shirts <laughs> or band jackets, like whenever I fucking feel like it. Yeah, we're, we're. <laughs> yes. it's like fuck you. Are you one of those guys that like rocks band t-shirts of bands that you love, like to get? Do you know what I mean? Like, because sometimes like bands kind of rely on that, like. You're a somewhat bigger band. You are a bigger band. Like, would you rock like a, I don't know, like a like a band's t-shirt that you like that's not as like big as you are? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do all the time. Cool. I do all the time. Actually, I love it when bands do that. I love it when bands do that. Do you know a band called Sabrosa? Yeah, of course. Sabrosa is dope. Out of I Utah. think I yeah. got their shirt at that show you were at. Yeah, they opened and up. I rocked guys. that yep. Sabrosa shirt for the entire fucking tour. Yeah, that band is dope. And, and I had clean clothes. Days. It had nothing to do with not having clean clothes. Hell yeah. And I actually <laughs> liked the shirt, and I thought yeah. they were a cool band. Yeah, they're a dope band. They're, I mean, they're. I think they're on like a hiatus right now, but yeah, they're yeah. fucking cool as shit. Um, uh, yeah. But yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Like, I wear uh, uh, one of Gabe's Mossbreaker shirts. Dope. Um, yeah, all the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, especially if it's got a great design on it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, for you sure. know, because we do get like band shirts from just people, you know, who want to show up, and you know, right. you know, we're one of their favorite bands. You're awesome. Yeah. You know, <laughs> listen to my demo. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and I mean, it's yeah. cool because that's, yeah. I mean, especially something like that. Like, that's one of the few things a band has that, like, you know, whatever infrastructure you have doesn't like take food straight out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. Right, for sure, for sure. You know, so that's when someone gives you your band T-shirt, like it's a really big deal because that's you know that's their lifeblood as a band. Yeah, of course. That that makes sense. Yeah. Well, um, it as like I said, if you've listened to the other episode, what me and John usually do at the beginning of each episode, we talk about what we listened to for the previous month. Uh Um, it would be very, very um contrived for me to say that i've just continuously been listening to failure for the past month yeah i know right? <laughs> well I mean, you and me both so don't feel bad oh shit are you one of those guys that listens to their own stuff well like, like are, vibe on your own shit because i know I, so many I, musicians that don't yeah i i like listening to our stuff um, good yeah you I'm, a, I'm a fan of the band i've always been a fan of the band fuck yeah well, um, if you didn't notice it or not, that failure is actually really good, and you should check them out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and it's also partially that the way that we do records, we don't necessarily know the songs. Mm. Um, and when I go or... in, especially on this record, because we kept like four or five of the drum takes from the jam sessions, so oh, the jam shit. sessions were just no thirty way. hours of jamming. 
Oh my God. Okay. Um, and so we kept a lot of that stuff. So I don't know those drum parts. Mm-hmm. Oh shit. Okay. So you have to like, I have to figure this out. Like, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> some of them like water with hands is like, what the fuck am I playing there? <laughs> like it's not something, you know, yeah. because I'm just in a, a, a really weird place, uh, in my brain that I don't always go to when I play mm-hmm. or compose music. Um, there's no rhyme or reason to that drum pattern specifically. Like there's no pattern. Right. Mm. Um, but it's right. very musical and it definitely goes along with the music and goes along with the vocal, which is weird because the vocal didn't exist. Right. When, mm. when we uh, recorded that drum part. Yeah. Um, and then some of the musical parts were kept and refined um, and other parts were like layered on top of that existing drum track that we right. plucked from the jam sessions. So do you uh, guys just like track like all of your jam sessions just to make sure that you're like getting all your ideas like tracked or recorded? Yeah, we, 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 we have um, like the heart is a monster. There was a lot of that. Um, not so much on the last record. Um, the last record was kind of like Ken and Greg demoing four songs and then I would get them and do pre-production on them for like a week or two. Then we would record the drums and we'd release it. Okay. And then they demo four or five more songs and kind of that same thing. Because remember we did that record in four? Yeah, like, like four like separate like EPs or whatever. Three yeah. record. Yeah. Yep. And it was like we broke up the title and we broke up the artwork with each yep. release. Yep. So the fourth release, yeah, was the whole double record with all the art and the complete working uh, in the future, your body will be the furthest thing from your mind. Oh, man, such a good uh, which we it's covered. At, we covered at this publication, and, and that year it was also our album of the year. Too, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's <laughs> a failure fanboy site. That album really went over a lot of people's heads, and I, because we've been working on a new record, I've mainly been sort of submerged in that. Because, long story short, I'm learning these parts. Yeah, so right, I'm listening right. to it a lot. I kind of backed off of it for a couple of weeks. Um, and then, you know, I kind of made a promise to my wife that I wouldn't listen to it again until after it came out. <laughs> um, so it's like starting to ramp up again. Right. But we just got test pressings for that record and for um, In the Future right. um, and The Heart is a Monster. Yeah. Because um, we're, we're basically, we're going back and we're making vinyl of everything this time. Oh, yes. How did you get um, your rights? Did Warner Brothers or whoever have your rights? Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Change of subject. Kind of, no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll talk about it. There, there, was, there was a weird loophole. So they, uh, anyway, back to In the Future real quick. <laughs> I had to go back and listen to that record, uh, listen to the test pressing. Right. And holy Fuck, man. <laughs> and on top of that, these are double records. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not making single records like your, you know, average release. Like, that and Heart is a Monster. Like, yeah. that's two records full of really good fucking jams. Uh, yeah. Not just like, mm-hmm. you know, a Smashing Pumpkins record where there's like four good songs and <laughs> 30, 30 <laughs> other songs hold those four together is right, what right. sound like. Well, I, uh, when you guys first announced that the Heart is a Monster record, I actually did the pre-order, so I still have Ooh, one. look at you guys yeah. showing off like, some How cool right is that cover? It's so I cool. know. Yeah. It, it's a great um, whole thing. It's awesome. um, you know what I've realized, though, is, you know, as much as we like making 
records mm-hmm. that you hold in your hand and kind of like, you know, imagine what people yeah. imagine yeah. when they listen to records, you know, like we did when we were kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. of course. I used um, to buy the CD, you know, just obsess over the CD. There, like I would just turn the pages. You know? I, I just don't think, I, I think music and the way people listen to music has changed so radically since then yeah i yeah. just think there's a larger percentage of the population that doesn't know what that thing is oh i know yeah. and i'm especially noticing it now that we finally released a single record yeah the response is just like so over the top right and you know i can only attribute that i don't i don't necessarily think i mean this is a really good record but i don't necessarily think it's that any any better than any of our previous records that we've released. Um, but there's something, about, <laughs> there's something about it being a single record and you put it on and it's over before you finish doing what you're doing. Yeah. Like, it's um, such a quick, immediate yeah. Um, listen. Yeah. I ran well, like experience. a couple of errands today and had it on in the car stereo and it was done. And I like restarted it. Cause I was like, yeah. Oh, double like, record. Yet. Like, the way yeah. people listen to records, like, Nobody gets through that entire record. You might listen to part of it, (laughs) and then a week from now, listen to another part, and like a month from now, listen to another part. Or you're just listening to the first six songs or the last six songs over and over every time you listen to it. Nobody is listening to 18 songs every time they put that record on. um, One of our earlier episodes, um, uh, we talked about... I agree. I agree with you, and I that's and that's that was going to be my point. We we talked about uh, 1996 on the podcast and how a lot of stuff changed in '96 because, yeah. I mean, it. I know it feels different. Like the world from music world from 1996 to '97 feels like there's a decade missing. Um, we we talked about how uh, it was the the law signed into how many stations a radio can own or how many labels can own all of that. Um, what was what was failure like during that? I mean, cause you know, fantastic planet come out in the middle of 96 and it, yeah. and stuck on you become like your big single towards the end of the year. Yeah. So what was that like coming into 1997 from that? Well, stuck on you actually wasn't that big of a single. Like a lot of the music people really liked it. Mm-hmm. And we had that cool video that we yeah, made. The video was dope. Yeah. Kinda, ah, the, the James video Bond. Was so yeah. cool. Yeah. They kind of had yeah. to make it. Yeah. To play it. <laughs> for sure. It for didn't sure. Look for like sure. anything else. And I mean, it was just, it was awesome. Yeah. Like, it was, it was you know, yeah, of course. Not playing 2001 when it came out. Yeah. You know, because it's <laughs> right. just, I mean, it's a great art film. Like you mm-hmm. had to play it, even if you didn't like the movie. Um, But we only actually had like major rotation commercially. For about maybe three to six months. Okay. And then what happened is around that time, now it was more, it was around three months. Mm-hmm. Around that time, the the like K Rocks and the bigger radio stations do this thing where they take, I think it's like eight seconds of your song mm-hmm. and they put it on yeah. this compilation CD with a bunch of other newer bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they give it to this panel. Oh no! Oh, and God. they basically oh, play them like whatever they're calling the hook of your song. Mm-hmm. And if the panel right. decides that they can't remember it, then they no longer play it. Yeah, I was oh, actually thinking about that last night in the shower and just got so mad. Um, that's yeah. what—that's the curriculum they were using for art. 
it's sad because um, I love Stuck on You. Obviously, that's what turned me on to failure. I was like 13 when that record came out, so I didn't know about the previous albums. Um, that was my exposure. But that, as good as that song is, uh, that's not even the best song on the on the album anyway. No, not even not even close. I mean, it's a really good oh, song. Not even close. Yeah, and it's a song about a song that you can't get out of your head. <laughs> it's it's so perfect. It's One kind of, of, you know, Greg really. The words on that are just, I don't like to use the word genius much, but the way he kind of wrapped uh, that I all mean, yeah. up for years, I didn't know that that's what it was about. Yeah. I thought it was maybe about a girl or probably about drugs, but no, <laughs> yeah. it's about a hit song that you can't get unstuck from your head. Well, uh, yeah. one of my favorite songs, actually one of my favorite bands from that year was is Super Drag. I'm not sure. I if you love know Super Drag. You hear they're making a new record? I, I know. I Coop, just yeah. Coop when, when I was Super in, Drag, he talks about them my favorite. When I was playing time. in Campfire Girls. They came on the road with us and the Donnas for like ten shows. Oh, and yeah, I too. spent okay. the entire time drunk in their van, traveling from city to city. <laughs> They are some of the like. You're like I'm gonna ride. Not only they are they like unsung rock heroes. They're like the cheap trick of our generation. I I agree. Have you heard Um, uh, the Lisa Memory? The the yeah yeah that's that that's the half of Super Dragon. Yeah, Um, it's weird because their their song, their big stuck on you song, was sucked out the same year, and that song wasn't even. I mean, it's a good song, dude. The way he sings, I think it's a great song. Like that in itself is a hook. Yeah, yeah. So, but that doesn't uh, represent the rest of that record, or no, not even close. So I don't know, think so. So both, I mean, I you guys so. sound nothing alike. Super Dragon. Failure, I mean, it, but- it does have in common, like they have a really uncanny way to write something really simple and really catchy and memorable and hard to forget. Honestly, like especially if you hear it night after night after night. Like when they were gone, like their their songs were still stuck in my head for the rest of that. <laughs> Um, yeah i mean yeah and it's just super super simple there's nothing in any of their songs that doesn't need to be there which in and of itself is a very difficult thing to do because most musicians start the process from a place of ego yeah you know and having a great song is completely devoid of all that personal stuff that people layer on a song the me, 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 and the, yeah. I'm going to prove to the world. And, you know, it, it's devoid wow. of all of yeah. that. And the, the really great songwriting, like super, super great songwriting. And the energy at which they play that stuff is ripping. Like they don't meander yeah. oh, their yeah. way in there. Like no one's <laughs> playing the drums with their wrists. Like, you know, yeah. it's got some great excitement and energy, and and um, uh, I mean, I can go on and on and on. Like Super Drag is like one of those bands that I do much bigger than they were. <laughs> I, I'm you're making yeah, coops. This is day my, that's right my now. favorite you, band. Like, I mean, unfortunately, though, that <laughs> single was pretty big, and yeah. anyone that can get to that height, like you know at the end of the day with there being billions of bands and you know who makes it or doesn't has very little to do with hmm. anything that us band members are ever going to do you know yeah, it's it's shit. business yeah. and it's relationships and it's being at the right place yeah. at the right time all of the things that are not in our control decide whether you make yeah. it or not. 
Do you nothing do you know. talent? I know. Has There's, nothing to do with whether you can play great music or you're technically proficient at your instrument or none of that. Does that right. are, um, do you have any resentment towards people just going with stuck on you as your song song? Oh you no, know what I mean? no, no, not at all. No, I mean, I mean, it perfect sense to all of us. Like they, they didn't decide to do that. We, we collectively decided, uh, Warner Brothers okay. and the band, um, and we collectively like turned in a treatment um, that we wanted to do ourselves because Ken is a, a director. Yeah, I mean that's what he went to college right, for. Right, right. And right. they didn't feel entirely comfortable giving us like a hundred grand to make our own video. <laughs> which is crazy because we made the undone video. Which That's so much video. money. Yeah. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. So we uh, basically had to, we went through a bunch of, uh, 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 what do you call it? Reels of like different directors at the time. And right. one person right. that really stuck out was Phil Harder. He had, he he'd done mostly commercials. I don't remember there being any music videos on his reel, but he had done some really cool like product commercials. Um, yeah. and, um, mainly that his reel transition. Still. It's like you do commercials and then you kind of move into music videos. A lot of those guys did that. Of, Cause especially at the time, yeah, yeah. you know, they yeah. were making shitload of Short money from stuff. doing videos way more than exactly. commercials. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. so, I wanted to ask, like, do you have any resentment of like maybe people loving Fantastic Planet more than like the three like new no, albums and no. stuff like that? No. Because like when I was at the show at Urban Lounge, like people would pop off when you play a Fantastic Planet song, but like I was there for like the two mm. new albums at yeah. the time. You know what I mean? And so it was just like, come on, guys! Like these two new albums are fucking amazing. Yeah, no, like, give, why it, are you give it, off about give this? it ten more years. <laughs> Right. You know, okay, I mean, okay, the, the thing, okay, okay, the thing okay, with Fantastic okay. Planet is, you know, we put that record out, we toured a little bit, and then we imploded. Right. And we disappeared. Right, so right. there was all this, like, myth and folklore, and, you know, right. our records were all out of print, so people were getting, like, you know, the legend oh, I, with okay, mixtapes I I and, that. and okay, Napster. Okay. And, you know, so us right. being, like, completely out of the scene um, – that record built up this whole mythology around. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you guys were like, you know, as it grew into like another generation and a half of music listeners. Um, So there's 20, 20, when when we got back together, like, you know, there was, there was a, a certain kind of history that you can't, that fantastic planet had that you can't duplicate unless you break up and disappear again, Mm. which is funny because we were, we spent, uh, Monday and Wednesday, like twelve hours, signing all of the the new merch stuff that's going out. <laughs> yeah, and one of the things I yeah. mused about was, oh, well, maybe we should just break up for another seventeen years <laughs> you know, for these records Seriously. to get like yeah. you know the size of Fantastic Planet. Um, right, but you'll you know I think you'll see it come around. You know, we've okay. been a band again for you know like six years now. Right. Give yeah. it ten years, and you're gonna have those dudes like you know harping on the heart is a monster, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's the thing is like you had three before the like hiatus, and then you have three now, so it's like even. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like... but I mean honestly, actually, we've put out more material in the last five years than we did in the first yeah, seven no years. Shit. Because yeah. again, these you're are right. all double you're records. Right. 
there's the Fantastic right. Planet Live. Mm. Um, there's yep, also true, like the true. EPs and all the singles that we've done, like the covers and stuff. Um, right. I mean, we've we've been pretty fucking busy. And then we put out the box okay, set. You so back to the box set. So here's what happened with that. Um, so uh, Warner Brothers sold our back catalog. <clears throat> Assholes. Um, <laughs> notifying us. Usually if you're going to sell someone's catalog, you say, hey, band, we're selling your catalog. as mm. kind of part of this deal. Here's what we're selling it for. Right. Do you want yeah. it? In which case, we would have bought it ourselves. Right. Uh, yeah, but that yeah, didn't happen. Yeah. This, this, uh, uh, basically, like the Universal of Europe is called uh, Pios, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. they did a massive deal with Warner Brothers for a lot of their back catalog. They bought up a okay. whole big package of stuff. Um, like they did the right. same thing with the Pixies. Like all of the Pixies records are on Pios now. Yeah, like all the stuff that was on reprint. Yeah, and that record, newest right? one they put out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a kind of deal plus their new one. Um, we didn't do the plus the new one with them because they didn't want to give us what we wanted for it. Um, so yeah. they bought up the old catalog, the first three records. And uh, they had it for a couple years. And then one of the guys, it's a European label. One of the guys in New York was a big failure fan and reached out to Ken. It was like, hey, we have this great idea. Uh, we want you to... Uh, uh, remix and remaster and do whatever the fuck you want with those first three records. And yeah. we want to put together, like all of that was his idea, put together a box set and him and her spitballing. Yeah. They come up with this idea of the box set of the first three songs or the first three records. Yeah. And then doing the uh, uh, three nights in LA uh, playing a record a night. Yeah. Yeah. Three nights in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Three nights yeah. in New York. Yeah. Super mm-hmm. cool. So, yeah. Cool as shit. That seems like it's moving forward. It's this great idea. We're all excited about it. And uh, dude sends a truck full of all of the failure masters, like video what? masters for Stuck on You, all the film, oh. like thousands what? of film, all the masters for all of the records, masters for like yeah. all of these outtakes and things that nobody even remembered existed. <laughs> Like just dropped it off at Ken's yes. house or yeah. what? Like and it, it sat in this big stack, like took up, you know, a third of his living room. And <laughs> he basically uh, nowadays you make a digital master. You don't actually um, uh, uh, start making, you know, new records from the, the physical mm-hmm. analog master. So first step was to basically price it out. Like how much is this going to cost? Um, and we went back with them. It was, I think, like eight grand or ten grand. And they were like, "Yeah, that's way too expensive." And Ken's like, "Well, I don't know what to tell you. That's what it costs." Really? And radio yeah. silence. That was two years ago. And that was fairly recent. Yeah, we've never heard from them again. We still have all the masters. Like we've just never heard from them. So right. after about eight months. Um, we were just like, fuck it. We'll pay for it ourselves yeah. and we'll own the digital master. Yeah, you fucking dropped them off. So that's like, what we've been doing. We've been making yeah. these vinyl off of our own, can remixed and remastered 
uh, remixed the first two records, remastered all three records. Well, I mean, even uh, even from a um, so a good. law standard, I think if they're mixed differently, if anything is just changed, even like a, a molecule, it still counts as a different thing than what the original was anyway? You know, we're hoping. We're hoping. I, I'm pretty we're, sure that's how that works. You know, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately for us, but fortunately for something like this, we're not one of those bands where we're not making a bunch of money off of doing this. Right. We're just not. Yeah. Um, so it, it isn't in their interest to spend a bunch of their money coming after, you know, something that just doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. Um, right. right, right. But that, that being sense. said, one of the things we have held off on is um, the, the digital like they obviously, those are all their digital masters on, on all the streaming sites for the first three records. So, right, you know, right. they're obviously making some kind of money there. I don't know how much it is. I mean, it's still, again, it's not a lot. Um, but it's some, it probably pays for their lunches a week out of the year or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I mean, they're getting yeah. those like Apple and Spotify streams. Um, like but, dollars you know, it, it's kind of... Who knows what the future really holds for all that stuff. Right. Um, but, you know, we're kind of treading lightly. And, you know, it's been like a year now since we've started fussing around with any of that stuff. And, you know, no right. one really seems to give a shit. Again, it's not like we're making money off of it. Uh, and talking about digital and analog and all that stuff and kind of going back to your shows, I uh, saw you guys in Chicago. I think it was the last time you played Chicago. Um, and it was the uh, Metro. Yes. The Metro yeah, and, um, and the Metro's mile. I just, I wish I had like every dollar I've spent at the Metro. One of my favorite venue. I mean, we've <laughs> always played there since the nineties. Well, um, it's that's one of the loudest cool. uh, for those listening who's never been to the Metro. It's one of the most painfully loud venues. Yeah. Uh, when I saw it, yeah, oh, really? It's well, it's because it's such a short throw. Yeah, like that room is long, I, yeah, but it's really it, short. Yeah, so, it's real tall, but it's okay. real. You're yeah, real you really tall. get pinned up against the wall with I the way s- the speakers are pointed at the crowd. And yep, I I lost okay. my hearing seeing okay. guided by voices there for like three days. Uh, <laughs> I honestly is it particularly like a heavy loud band that says no. A lot. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. when I saw you guys there, you didn't have friggin' amps. No, you just had like a sound system. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's like straight into the yeah straight I've into the soundboard. Never yeah. heard a band. Um, uh, pristine, pristine. They said one of the one of the big problems when we first got back together that every live band encounters is how little control you have over. First of all, how it sounds on stage. Yeah, which right, like from night to night, not knowing whether you're going to have a good night or not, based on what you can hear, is unacceptable Hmm. you know in the 90s like we didn't have a choice you just had to like well i mean you guys are perfectionists if if i if i had a monitor cool if someone (laughs) put their foot through ken's vocal monitor cool (laughs) you know you you didn't really have much to say so and there weren't any other options available right um so one of the first things we did and then the other thing is you know when you take amplifiers and put them in different rooms they sound different every night completely different yeah so the idea that yeah. you're going to be able to project what your records sound like off of a stage right. doesn't yeah. exist if that's yep. going to be your approach. Right. 
it it sounds nope. super lame when I say it. Um, when I try to explain people, they're like, "What do you mean they don't have amps?" It's like it's kind of like going to church. <laughs> if you've ever been to one of those yeah. really super big churches, how it's just speakers all around. Yeah, it's not coming from the stage. Yeah, now that sounds super lame, you know, church. But when you're seeing no, but a- I mean that's a perfect analogy. I I actually used to jam in a Baptist church when I was twelve. Uh, with one of my first bands it was me and one of my older brother's friends and we used to play like all these like slut songs and shit out of love like we were writing all these crazy debaucherous songs that we were playing like on the pulpit you know uh, in the middle of like you know a baptist church in the middle of a pastor in florida I I uh, I still actually play in my church band on Sundays and uh yeah he sneaks yeah, in there. I mean I I've been playing bass in the church band since I've been like 16 years old. Oh that's awesome. Yeah and I always make the joke like I'm the only person who works in ministry whose favorite band is ministry. <laughs> Baltimore's band. Yeah. yeah. Have you okay. seen them with Paul yeah, yet? There you go. I have not. I, no. I had tickets but I you know, I'm, I'm sure it's I'm sure it's great. He's been a fan of that band forever. I'm glad to see like Paul is back out in a band playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um so back to what you were saying. So one of the first things that we did was we thought about the stage and the sound. Hmm. Um, and that was kind of like one of the first things that we set out to tackle um, because we were definitely going to do some live shows. We weren't sure in what capacity. Um, but, you know, we want, if it was going to be three shows or a tour, you know, we wanted to like fucking kill it from our perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting, we, we, we tried a couple other units, but we settled on the fractal. Um, and basically the fractal is just a rack mount with every single microphone and every single microphone placement you can imagine. And you can build scenes with like several amps. It's got every amp you would ever want to play right. every, amp, right. every nice. effect, like every, everything only it fits in this. Another <laughs> problem we had back in the nineties is because they switched guitar and bass. We had to carry two guitar rigs and two bass rigs. Right, right, right. So we wanted to pare that down as well. Like we're, you know, late 40s, 50. Like nobody wants to carry that shit. Yeah. <laughs> right. Is it, um, is it so, weird like play behind like a plastic like barrier? I don't know if you did that in the 90s. I haven't like looked it up, but like you. What do you mean plastic barrier? You had like, like a the sound wall. Yeah, you had like a sound wall at Urban Lounge. You did at least like around your drums, didn't you? Oh, no, no. I had those circular things just oh. around the. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. No, those are actually yeah. awesome because I can look at my reflection. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. And like watching yourself play is, I don't, for me anyway, is really, really cool. Like it, I play better. I love when watching I, you play. When drums. I can actually I mean, see myself I take that play. any day. That's some, yeah. I don't, I don't blame um, you, man. But no, that was because we record all of our live shows. Yeah. That's to keep the symbols oh, out of the vocal. Okay, okay, mm. okay, okay. That, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because okay. we were having a hard time like uh, with with the vocal tracks. Right. Because they would be full of symbols. Because washing in, yeah, it's washing yeah. the symbols in. Okay. Okay. Um, so, so what we, basically, essentially, what we managed to do by not having amplifiers and pre-programming all of the sounds, which we record all of the records with mm-hmm. as well, right? Um, by putting them into fractal unit, you essentially sound and using all in ears, um, and my in ears aren't competing with amps on stage, right? So it literally is a recording studio on a stage, 
Yeah. And he basically sends what sounds exactly like the record from the stage to the mixing board. That was such a fun show. It sounded so immaculate. Like it sounded so good. I've never. Well, I I've mean, never it's, heard it's our record. Like it's our record. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the, the, the venue that we play in isn't having any like adverse effect, on, effect it, yeah. on the way it sounds. I mean, I went to that show by myself. I, you know, like no one, you know, and it, I was just like, I'm going to fucking failure. I love this fucking band. And like, I was just at that show and I was just vibing. Like it sounded so good. Like it just sounded so good. You know yeah, what I mean? I've, I've never seen, I've never seen a band. Well, I mean, I, and for the people listening who's, who hasn't experienced this, it's, this is not a chill thing. It's all the intensity. Yeah. All of the energy of just any oh, kind of band. Primo, man. Yeah. But, but like you said, more because everyone can hear each other. They're not fighting for sound. Well, and, and your sound guy can actually mix because he's not competing with all this noise exactly. coming off exactly yep, yeah yep. you know it's basically all he has to do is like when he pulls everything up there's the record right uh every room like you know the frequencies mm-hmm. change in a room right so he has to walk around the room with the ipad and see where frequencies like there's a lot of bass over here yeah. you know and he has to mix that in right um but other than that like it's you're playing your record every night yeah you guys, you know, without yeah. like you're physically playing it, like they're you know you're not using tracks to do all the work. Yeah, yeah, amazing, amazing. Honestly, do you have um? Do you have in in playing uh? It's kind of like a studio experience almost. I would imagine for you guys playing. You- yeah, yeah, and no. I mean, it sounds like a studio, but there's still definitely the over the top intenseness of. A live show. That's what it That's felt what like. I, I mean, you're you're like. competing. You're competing one for the affection of the audience. Like first and foremost, they're the ones spending money, and they're the ones that need to walk out of there with an experience they've never had before. Yep. Especially with there being so many great bands, people spend their money to come to these shows. Like you have to be better than everybody else. It's got to be a better. Experience. I mean, your money's well spent going to a failure show. Money. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, but I, secondly, I, my personal bar is always going to be a thousand times above anything that anybody else can lay on me. Right. Um, so for me, every night, it's a competition of like, when am I going to play that perfect show? When am I going to finally walk off this fucking stage yeah. and say to myself, that was a perfect show. Oh, I can yeah. leave it alone. That's I don't have cool, to drag man. it around with me for the next hour or two, like what yeah. I could have done, what I didn't do, yeah. <laughs> you know, all of that stuff. Oh, I man, mean, that's so cool. Know, it, it's serious. And then there's this huge physical component mm. that, I mean, you know, like I live a very, very clean life on the road because I have to be in super tip-top physical shape. For sure. Yeah. You know, I take naps. I eat all like plant-based stuff. Um, you know, everything is scheduled. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I mean, so, at the time you're kind of, I mean, you're, you're kind of an athlete, right? Like, don't you kind of feel well, like no, that? You are. Yeah. You I mean, are. That's the thing. And it's like to be as consistent as you are, at least, you know, I don't get to see you live every night, but I get to hear the albums and it's just like, he hits so you you hit so hard and so accurate and like your feels are so at least to me feel so intentional that i'm just like this man is a machine like he's you no, know and, i mean when you think about it you say again like as an athlete like when we're 
when we're doing pre-production, like even before I get anywhere near a rehearsal room, right? I'm doing like four to six hours a day going over this stuff yeah, for just, weeks. Yeah, just banging it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Building up strength and like learning the arrangements and just getting everything really, really tight. Right. And then we go into rehearsals and we're doing like 10-hour days for two weeks. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. You I know, and even, yeah. even without all that, when we get to the stage, like, you know, we're playing two hours full blast. Yeah. Like I can't really think of too many other athletes that have to do that. <laughs> right? No, like no fucking way. I mean, that's what I'm saying. And like, that's that's kind of what I. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to soccer too much, maybe. but like soccer players, like they're running around. Well, <laughs> yeah. they're jogging too. Like I don't get to jog. But I mean, that's <laughs> like, the thing is like your accuracy and then your power of like how you do it. Like I was it's, like, it's, Kelly it's Scott's huge. my guy. And I went and saw you guys live and I was like, this man is hitting so hard and it's like so huge, accurate. Huge responsibility. Like, yeah. It's a huge responsibility. Yeah. Props, I mean, I could, props, I could just props, easily, man. you know, props. mail it in. Yeah. You know, and sort of, you know, pretend like, yeah. you know, yeah. You see that a lot. I mean, oh, you know, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, I see it. I see it really constantly. Yeah. Kind of yeah. And that's the thing is that's um, like one of the things I noticed is like you were still hitting super hard and like it just felt accurate and it just was powerful. And like what, make, making it not easy is what what keeps me interested in continuing to do it after all these years. Yeah. I mean, like even like you got you guys on your last one, you were talking about the sessions that I was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Like, those things are fucking nuts. <laughs> like, I'm doing like 10, 15 songs a week, and like they're all over the place. Like these songs are from 10, 15 different people. They have nothing to do with one another. Right. One person's like on a laptop, another person's in a kick ass studio, another person's on a phone, you know, people in garage band on an iPad. Right, right, like yeah, one right. guy basically had a, a piano metronome and oh, it's just like Jesus. over it. And he's like going, so this part I want it to be really, really hard. Yeah. You know, God. Play it harder than what I'm playing. I'll put distortion on it when I go back and track. Well, so it's from all over the place and it, it's extremely it's extremely challenging, one, because I take every single song as seriously as I take like any failure song or anything else. I that yeah, you know, I, I record. I that, you yeah. know, has my name on it, right? I believe. Um, it. Yeah. I take it all very seriously, and and for me, it's all about how can I make this song better? Yeah, for sure. You know, and the, even if, especially so when someone hands me like this full blown production of this really awesome song. Yeah. You know, it's always how can I make this song better? Yeah. And it's the same for like, you know, those like really stripped down ones where, you know, the guy's giving me directions on an iPhone recording. <laughs> how can I like make this a really, really good song right. and take this to the level that the whole reason I'm doing this is is to take it, especially for the people that don't have access you know, I remember when I was a kid, like just how hard it was to get it together yeah, and, no shit. you know, find someone who recorded horrible demo tapes four hours away. In their <laughs> yeah. garage. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, and just yep. the excitement of like having your own thing that you could play for your family yeah. and your friends or even sell at gigs, whatever. Um, and but never could I like call up Neil Perk. Or call it Tommy Lee. <laughs> yeah, no or, shit. Yeah, or I know. John Bono yeah. <laughs> and, and have them like 
play on my song for the equivalent of what I made in a week mowing lawns. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, I mean that's um, the thing. I want to like make songs. You know, and be so like that, Kelly Scott, will you please play drums on these? You know, like, yeah. I mean, that's kind of where it starts. And, and um, you know, the challenge is is always just to bring you know that excitement into it and that that same seriousness. Um, but also like. Like it really changes people's lives, like as much as anything I've ever done. You know the yeah. excitement when people get this stuff back, yeah. like this professional recording, and they're uh, yeah. just like, "Whoa, yeah!" Like you know, you know what you're signing up for, but you don't exactly know what it is nope. until it's like yours and it's in your hand, and you're like, "Holy shit, this is mine!" Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine you know? like sending you demos and you being like, "Hey, you know, here's five tracks of my fucking drums." <laughs> like, I would lose my fucking mind. It's crazy. So shit. for so for the people, who... all I need is a scratch with a click. <laughs> so <laughs> it'll take you all five to... songs, twenty minutes. Yeah. He um for for those wow. who who hasn't been following uh, during the <laughs> pandemic when no one was touring or doing anything, uh, Kelly uh, basically posted something on Facebook that he would record drums for for any project for like barely anything. I mean, like the what he's charging people for these things is like nothing compared to you know to what a session player would have half of and, what he's uh, charging us to be on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> he uh so for I'm that's not really paid for this podcast. <laughs> Neither are we. Uh, um so that that's a, like you said I couldn't even imagine being a kid. I mean yeah. like I remember the first time I bought a four track crazy. like one of those Tascam four tracks in like the late 90s. Oh yeah. 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 And Everybody I, had one of those. Yeah, yeah, the drums that I had was like from a Casio yeah. keyboard. Yeah. So bogus, yeah. so bogus. But, I mean, it, you know what? Also, for me personally, like it's very, very challenging. Like yeah. sometimes, I, I mean, just yeah. last week I played on this piece that was like four minutes long with like thirteen parts, nine of which were in completely different time signatures. <laughs> um, so you know, and, and, I mean, fucking, just, like jam it's track. crazy, and they're all over the place, right? right, um, right. And and. You know, not definitely not what before this I was spending the majority of my time. Um, so it you know required like I'm 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 integrating uh, or reintegrating in in some cases, um, uh, just kind of like drum language that was lost to me previously. Do you because feel like I you're have getting like, better as like a rock drummer? Rock. Like from doing huh? this, do you feel like you're getting better as a drummer? From oh yeah, 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 for sure, yeah. 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 Even, even in, in like really small, like when I first started doing it, yeah, I was having to like listen to them and do a lot of pre-production yeah. just to get the arrangements down in my mm, head. Right. I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah. You just bang it out. I literally yeah. listen to it once on the way out to the studio Yeah, and I get there and start recording. Okay. Okay. That's cool. So my, my, just the muscle in my brain that remembers arrangements right. like that right. is like, you know, Jason Momo. Hell yeah. That's so <laughs> cool. That's so yeah. cool. So, uh, you know, and not just that, just, I mean, playing every day, like, yeah, you keeping your, you know, yeah. physically, um, uh, jamming and writing and coming up with stuff on the fly, like really, really quick. Yeah. But being able to play something. No, nah, that doesn't work. Or wait, the bass is doing that. 
let me do something a little more syncopated with the bass and come back and like I can write, arrange, and record all of my parts for any song in about an hour. Did it feel different like when you were doing like the new failure record after like kind of getting into the studio stuff or did you guys already track all that stuff before you even started doing the pandemic? Well, we, we went into Grohl's place and did the second half of the record. Okay. Okay. Um, and we were slated. There was five songs, six songs. Yeah. Five or six songs. One of them didn't make it on the record. Um, we need to hear we it. Were, Where is it? Are you going to put it out? We need it. Put it out. Put it out. Put it out. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we, we were slated, I think, for five days, and we finished all the drums in uh, we like halfway through the third day. Okay. Um, and then we moved Dang. to doing all the pianos and some of the cool room feedback. Yeah. Uh, Greg did all the – Greg brought in Half Moon. During those sessions, um, so we did all the acoustic stuff yeah. and all the drums for that song, yeah. um, uh, and some vocal stuff. Ken added while we were in there because it's a massive room, drum room. Yeah, that's um, so six studios, right? But to, to answer your question, I mean, it definitely. I, I I think that is certainly because I was you know playing every single week right. for. Of the eight months previous to that. Right, right, okay. Um, but okay. even the pre-production stuff, like I said, we kept five of the drum tracks from that. Yeah, of course, yeah. Like the, uh, the, and the that, was only, yeah. that was only three months after uh, I had cancer and surgery and stuff. Right. <sighs> wow. Yeah. I mean, an athlete, I mean, to go back to it, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, you know, it's props, honestly. I, I was definitely fortunate to get cancer, like, right now. Ugh, like, Jesus. my my body and my mind, like, I'm I'm in the best place yeah. for something that big Ugh. to happen in my life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, brutal. And, you know, I mean, it was cool. It was like, you know, I got this thing. How do we get rid of it? Yeah. You know, I was in really good shape. I, I was taking care of myself. So, yeah. you know, after the surgery, like I rebounded pretty quickly. Yeah. I was back to like, you know, doing light yoga and stuff like that within six weeks. Good. I mean, uh, I was yeah. back to playing like shortly after that. So um, after um after failure uh, folded in 97 or yeah. early 98, whenever it was, you, you did a lot of session work and like just going over some of the stuff that you've done. I mean, you've done session work for like drums for just about everybody in the industry. <laughs> I just read that you did work with Dr. Dre. Oh Christine, yeah. Yeah. Christina Aguilera. Uh, uh, Dr. Dre with a 72 piece orchestra. Wait, what song did you do with Dr. Dre? It actually didn't make it on his record. Was it supposed to be a detox? It was that last record that came out a couple of years ago. Oh, the Compton one. Okay. It was the Compton uh, one. Yeah. We, yeah. we uh, uh, went into Capitol and we basically. <laughs> Did he request you like specifically? Like Dr. Dre? No, like, no. I, 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 worked, uh, <laughs> I worked with this guy, Eric Gorfain. Okay. Um, I met him when I was doing all Linda Perry sessions. He does all of their strings. Okay. 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 He's okay. the leader of the section quartet. Okay. Um, and he and I are really, really good friends. That tent. Did you ever hear that hum cover? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's me, and Eric. Oh, okay, oh, really? Cool. Yeah, we are tent. Like we called it tent, so it's a tent and encompasses okay, everything yeah, we'll word, word, ever word. do from that day forward. Okay, okay. So we were <laughs> coming up with project names, right? <laughs> um, but he he actually called me. I was on my way into town after a tour. I think it was maybe uh, when I was out with uh, uh, this band, Year Long Disaster, and I distinctly remember 
I was driving back into town from tour and the phone rang and it was Eric and I picked it up. He's like, Hey, what are you doing? You busy in three days? You're like, I'm tired. He's like, we're doing, we're doing this session with Dre. Jesus uh, who he had worked with Dre before. Right. Um, he'd done strings on his previous records. Yeah. Um, he actually just did another big session for him a couple weeks ago. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, but there were no drums, so I didn't get the same call. Ah. <laughs> um, but they, what we did is uh, uh, a change is going to come. The Sam Cooke tune? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We basically redid the first 45 seconds of that song, um, you know, and that was supposed to lead into, you know, one of Dre's hip-hop songs. Right. Right. Uh, it was like the intro. So what we did is we recreated that in the same exact room that Sam Cooke recorded it in wow. with the same exact engineer yeah. and uh, with an exact 72-piece Oh, my God, orchestra. that's cool as and, shit. And, and this yeah. didn't see the light of day? What the it hell? never saw the light of day. Yeah, typical Dr. Like, Dre. Typical yeah, it was Dr. really Dr. weird, Dre. too, because everything is union. So yeah. we, we had to book the session. was like, I think it was like 45 minutes. Yeah. Like we had 45 minutes to set up and record and Did get out of there. Did you have like any direction? Was like, was Dr. Dre there? Was he like, do this? He like- was there. He was there. We said, hello. I met him and stuff. His <laughs> yeah. daughter was with him. Yeah. Um, and I got to meet her too. And um, no, so I walk in, I've got my stuff, just a stripped down kit, kick and snare hat. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe one like swish symbol okay. or sizzle symbol. Yeah. Um, Cause it's, you know, like a seventies vibe. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah you don't need a bigger um, kit. And, uh, there's a conductor and I knew the conductor because I had worked with him with Eric before. Right. And after I got set up, I, you know, was a little like, Holy fuck. What am I doing here? <laughs> like, I've never been in a situation like this. Yeah. And I, I pulled him aside and I was like, you know, um, I got to confess, you know, <laughs> like, what, what do I do? Like, what do I do? <laughs> he's like, he's like, Dude. he's like, don't worry about it. We're all following you. <laughs> oh, oh, Jesus no. Christ. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I know what to do then. I know what to do. We're fine. That's awesome. Um, yeah, and it was, I mean, it was really, really short. I think we we went through it two, maybe three times, like recorded it each time, and yeah. that was it. To send you on your uh, way. I, huh? Yeah, That's no crazy. rehearsals, no nothing, just recorded it. It's crazy. What about what do you do? pretty simple, and they're like, you know, these people are like the top of their class. Like they're extremely talented uh, uh, orchestra. I mean, here's the thing though, is I would love to hear a Dr. Dre album with Kelly Scott doing the fucking beats. Like I would go nuts on that. That'd be nuts. Right? Like, please, I will pay money for that. Like, please. Yes. Dre, you're out there. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Dre, I'm sure you're a subscriber to the podcast. Like, please. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have I go to his house, but I'm sure the gates are like way too far from his house for to hear me. Yeah. Screaming. Yeah. Screaming. Yeah, you um, you also did work for of all people, Christina Aguilera. Yeah, yeah, on that uh, uh, Bionic record and on uh, uh, Burlesque. Uh, that's just so weird. One of my favorite bands, Failure. The drummer is played <laughs> drums on a Christina Aguilera record. Yeah, well, I got I got this gig uh, as Linda Perry's session drummer right. from Four Non Blondes. Yes, she's. Okay. I don't know if you know, she's a massive song. Yeah. Oh, for sure, right. oh, for um, sure, yeah. producer. Yeah. So five days a week, I would go out to her place, and we would like she would write. We'd record like five days a week, every week for like six years. How did five, you meet Linda wow. Perry? Um, I met her through uh, uh, a friend of mine. Actually, uh, we were musical partners at the time. This guy, Paul Ill. 
Okay. Uh, he's a bass player. Um, and uh, we were doing a lot of work together, and he was in her session crew. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, okay. It's very okay. small. It's like yeah. one guy for each instrument, yeah. and nobody else records okay. in her that studio. Makes that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So it was a very tight knit crew. Yeah, cool. Um, That's cool. And he was bringing me around there a lot. So we got to meet. Uh, and she, after a couple months of that, um, uh, and actually there was one moment, the section quartet did a cover record uh, where they did like uh, The Nurse Who Loved Me. Eric Gorfain is the one who originally wrote and performed the strings for The Nurse for Maynard's version. Right, yeah. The Perfect, perfect Circle, circle yeah, version. Circle version. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he circle. also wrote all the string arrangements for um, uh, that Robert Plant, Jimmy Page oh, record. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. did the live okay. tour for that okay. like a decade. Yeah, yeah okay. okay. Uh, he's been around for a while. Like he does a lot of shit. Yeah, okay. Uh, but anyway, back to that. I, I walked in there one day. I think this is kind of what sealed my fate. And there were these... Linda was having a meeting with two uh, songwriters, these two twin guys from Australia. Yeah. And I walk in and one of the twins is like, holy fuck. Holy Scott. <laughs> and he's like, going on and on and on and on and on. Hell yeah. And, and Linda like stops him and she's like, wait a minute. You were in failure? Oh, no. <laughs> she's she, like, she, didn't with me. she didn't know. No, she had no idea. What the fuck? She had no idea. Um, she's no. like, come here, come with me. And uh, they had just finished a bunch of their recordings and they did a lot of it at her place for that section quartet record. Yeah. And she sat me down. I was like, oh shit, what's going on? She's like, okay. She turned down the mood lights. Yeah. She put me in the control <laughs> seat and she basically turned on their version of the nurse. And at Ooh. some point, like I obviously realized what it was. I closed my eyes. Right. And when the song was over and she turned the lights back on, like I had tears coming down my face. Uh, yeah, this, yeah. this visceral, like emotions just overtook me. Yeah. And I think that was definitely a catalyst where she was like, oh, okay. I this need guy's you. Not yeah. <laughs> He's not pretending to be cool to like get a job with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I can feel, cause she, you know, she vets her people and I'm she sure, gets along yeah. with everybody. And, right. you know, it's a really, really tight, uh, insulated family unit, more or less. That's such a cool story. Holy uh, shit. <laughs> so then she, then she called me in about a week later, uh, to start, um, uh, working on her drums. She had like a, two 300 piece drum collection. Okay. <laughs> um, and because no one had ever treated it like a collection, they mm. only like took the drums down, tuned them up for that recording. Yeah. You know, all of the drums more or less sounded like the guy who was tuning the drums for all the records. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Um, they didn't sound like the drums. Like if you go by and tap the shell of a drum, it has a resonant frequency. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where you should start with you know when you put your heads on and start tuning it yeah like what does this drum want to sound like holy shit okay, um, okay. especially with vintage drums yeah uh, where a lot of like craft went into the manufacturing and making of the drums so anyway she had me doing that and a week later she called me and asked me if i would do the drum sounds on a record that she was working on yeah um and then the following day uh after that record she was like hey what are you doing next week i was like i don't know what am i doing she was like, um, well we're we're starting to like write and record, you know, we're going to do some new Christina stuff. Yeah. Um, of all people. Planned. I know. And right? it was like the first day I came in on that, like I was a little bit nervous and the whole first day was just us spending about eight hours picking out toms and kick drums and yeah, snares. And, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. just this crazy. Yeah. Um, it, it was super fun. Like wow. that, that was during that period 
um, because, you know, I'm a really hard hitter. Yeah. When for her and in the recording studio, she wants you to play so soft, like the mm. sticks are about to fall out of your fucking hands. Linda Perry wants that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's her yeah. vibe. Okay. Like that's how she records drums. You're like um, the heavy hitter. What? I mean, so <laughs> it, it was quite. It was quite an adjustment for me to learn how to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, with playing that light but still putting like you know the yeah. thing that i have Enough. inside yeah. like you're, yeah, you you know high. like yeah. i i'd always had hitting hard like that i had a voice for yeah of course yeah. um and and so creatively and and technique and that was probably the greatest advancement in in just everything for me like drum wise that makes sense that makes sense like i got so much better in that period of time that makes sense yeah, I um, we've always we've always talked, John and I. Um, I'm not a drummer. Uh, mm. John plays, but no, I don't. I... No, don't say that. No, <laughs> I have a drum. Not set. The... That's it. That I, pl- I have the, a drum in set. That's in it. the presence of Kelly Scott, yeah, we're, no we're saying which one of us plays drums. <laughs> um, uh, drums is so freaking important, and I really, I'm not saying anything negative about any artist or anything, but I'm so so tired of fake drums on stuff. I mean, you've got drummers out here like Kelly Scott, who's who hits drums like it insulted your sister. And you know, it just matters. It sounds like it matters. I'll never poo poo fake drums. Um, I, I think there's a time and a place for fake. Yeah, drums. right. Right. Um, and, and I think there are tons of artists out there that using only like programming have done some really, really great stuff. hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, massive attack. And, and that's I mean, their thing. Yeah. And that's their thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they have a reason for doing that, right. you know, well, right, and yeah. part of their aesthetic, like it's part of the creative process yeah. is that's what they want. Right. And then there's a whole other batch of people that don't understand the relationship of drums and music. So they yeah. just do it right? because it's easy or they don't have to pay for it or have another person to divvy the proceeds, whatever the reason is. Sure. Um, that they do that. And they just, they, you know, they mail it in. You right. know, it's easy. Yep. I'm just going to do that. Yep. Or they just don't understand what like a real drummer or even really great programming brings to the creative process and the end product. Yeah. I mean, like, really I, great programming. I love, yeah. I mean, you're right. I love you're right. You're right. Like the first song on in the future. Mm-hmm. It's fucking programming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like Ken and Greg did that demo. We went into the studio, recorded a great drum track, primarily like it was in the demo because the demo, like they're just like these simple hypnotic, nothing ever changes drums. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the song? It was a single off that record. Yeah. The, the oh. main one. Um, hold on. I'm looking it up now. Cause uh, David Dallas Malachian's in the video. In the video. Yeah. The guy from the, yeah. The, the, yeah. Um, but anyway, like I loved that aesthetic, but there's no way real drums couldn't do yeah. what the demo was doing. And there was something, you know, as good as the drum. Yeah. It was a great drum track. It was cool. But for the song aesthetically, it just wasn't doing, you know, what, what the, the, programmed demo drums were doing right. like there was just an aesthetic created um on the that particular speed. song and I, uh you know i know to ken's credit like i know it wasn't easy because we recorded it and then 
you know, he's working his magic, like mixing everything and mm-hmm. fucking with the drum sounds and, right. you know, maybe comping between some of the drum takes that we did um, to get what he feels is like the best overall. Um, and, you know, he had to call me and he was like, you know, nobody in your band ever wants to say, you know, <laughs> we're not using your track. Dude, I'm like, you know, <laughs> Did you get bummed out? All, Did it bum you out? We all know what it would feel like if somebody called you and they were like, yeah. yeah you know, yeah, we're just not going to use your favorite part. Yeah. You know, and as a band member, you have to have like, you know, a certain amount of respect to know that no one's doing this to you on purpose. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, you know, it's your responsibility as a band member that, you know, you, you have to keep your personal feelings out of the way most of the time. Right. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, what's, what's best for the song. And, you know, I'm not going to say it was you know, at first I was like, my heart dropped and it was, you know, it <laughs> crushed me. Of course, yeah. Um, but soon thereafter, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, of course. Yeah, yeah. It sounds better. It feels better. It's it's darker. It's creepier, you know. Yeah. And there are just some things that you can't do with a drum set that programming can do. And that was one of the things. The sounds, we couldn't get the sounds out of the drums. Right, from an acoustic, yeah. yeah, I, I get it. I get you know, it, we I were trying it. to, like, get that programming sound with real drums. Right. And, I mean, there's just too much life. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, you know, and it was killer. And in retrospect, it's like, it's like one of the greatest drum tracks on that whole record. Well, I mean, you that's know? the thing, too. It's like when you mix in, like, program drums or electronic drums or whatever, and then when you bring in, like, your kind of drumming, like, it makes – the actual playing to me like stand out even more you know what i mean because yeah you have that variety you know what i mean yeah i i think there's a place there's a place for both drummers and programming right. mm-hmm. um that's a little bit more difficult because that takes up a lot of space for sure for sure you know? and, and the what's accompanying it plays a big factor on how much of that you can actually get away with right um but i mean i i don't have a problem with it i have a problem with people and I, I imagine they're just generally like this with everything they just mail it in yeah of course yeah, yeah. i mean that's half the time it. yeah 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 um yeah you know because you know people have a multitude of reasons for doing you know what it is that they do and fortunately and unfortunately music and the arts tend to attract people who for whatever reason, don't have the tools to uh, fill the hole inside of them. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, and and in all honesty, like I chose playing music at like six years old when I looked at the back of a kiss record and heard the live. (laughs) And it's like, Oh, if I do this, like everything that I think is wrong with me is going to be okay. Uh, Absolutely. Peter Chris, you know, and as you grow up and you know, through your teenage years, like there are more and more things wrong with you and you don't measure up society and other ways. And, you know, everyone has a hole that they're trying to fill with something. Yep. Um, and, and for me, and I think for a lot of artists, like performing and getting people telling you how great you are and that constant feedback of, you know, I wish I was you. And, you know, that works for a little while until mm-hmm. it doesn't. Just like drugs, right. it destroys your life. Right, right. Um, it's a very painful thing to, like, have someone, like, give you the highest compliment and, like, you can't internalize it yeah, because you can't it makes recreate you so uncomfortable it. Yeah. Right. because you you just don't feel good enough yeah 
I get that. You know, the, that. all the compliments yeah. in the world will never sense. make you feel good enough anymore. I mean, yeah. you know, because that's I something wish, that, wish, yeah, through better or for worse, like you're going to have to figure out how to do for yourself. It's an inside job. Right. You know, you can't get that feeling from the outside. It works for a little while with drugs and people and shopping and gambling and, you know, whatever it is. Right. But eventually that stops working and starts destroying your life. I mean, I ha- it has to feel a little bit better, like how you're like honing your craft, like, you know, with the studio sessions mm. and all that stuff. Right. Well, you know, you 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 put in the work. Right. Um, you know, it's still a little like, you know, when someone compliments you, know, Ooh, that's weird. But, <laughs> you know, it's like a second of weird. And then, you know, yeah, I've put in the work. Yeah. I've put in the work. Yeah. And you 100%. kind of flip the script. It's like, you know, this person wants me to feel the same way I wanted Tommy Lee to feel when I was 15. And yeah. I told him that. Right. Or, you know, had I ever gotten to meet like Neil Pert from Rush and I paid him like this homage because he was a big part of you know, my musical development from 12 to 16. Right, right, right. You know, right. So, you know, sometimes you just have to, it's a gift that someone is giving to you. Right. It's not supposed to be about you. Right, right. You know, and that's another thing you get when you stop using the outside world to do an inside job. Yeah. Is you, you begin to like have empathy and you like, it's a gift. It makes people feel good right. to be able to tell you something that they've always wanted to tell you. Yeah. And this is their story. Like they believe this, this is real to them. Hell yeah. And dude. you know, it makes them feel good. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, and it does make me feel good too. You know, <laughs> I put in a lot of hard work and you know, yeah, of course I'm not always telling myself, you know, how great I think I am. And, the guys in my band, you know, like that isn't something we do. Dude, you're fucking great. You know what I mean? Like, you have to do it sometimes. You know, people Come on, you guys are so much fun. Come on. Themselves. You don't. Well, I, 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 I certainly have a confidence that I know. Okay. All right. Am I where I want to be? No. Right. I have a long, long, long way to go. Right. Um, but I, I know where I'm at when I'm there. So I wanted to. I. This is. Aaron has no idea I'm asking this. It's just that. I... So you said you're a Neil Peart guy, right? Were you a Brian St. Pierre guy mm-hmm. from Hum at all? The, um, the drummer from Hum? Because like he's a he was I, a big Neil Peart guy. And, you know, now he's passed. I wasn't. He was like one of my favorite guys with you. And, you know. So I, I have I have actually a story. So oh, good. Back, okay. in the 90s, back in the 90s when we got dropped – from uh or slash went under right and we just finished fantastic planet right and we kind of thought just it was over right like nobody would ever get to hear this record like that's just the end of the story right Uh, it was like a year in there before warner picked it up and finally put it out for us yeah um and ruined it (laughs) Um, (laughs) um i would get on my bicycle and i had a friend that worked over at rca okay um yeah because they yeah yeah, that's who put out that that uh, uh, the astronaut record. Yeah, astronaut and downward um, is heavenward. Yeah, the other, yeah, yeah. Um, so that song was really big at the time. Yep, it was like uh, uh, what was that ninety middle of ninety six. Yep, yeah, mm-hmm. um, around there. And Something like that. so John worked for this guy Bruce Floor. Um, Bruce was the A and R guy. John was the assistant A and R guy. Um, John was a really good friend of mine and I started going in there and became really good friends with Bruce. Yeah. And then I started going in there and using their dupe room, uh, their cassette duplication room. Uh And I would make 12 copies of fantastic planet every day. 
And then I would go pass them around to like business people, yeah. people in bigger bands, just to get the buzz going around. Yeah, got this like gem. Holy that was shit! That's die. that's cool as hell. It's like um, do it yourself for a big band. Yeah, DIY yeah. While doing sure. that, I became like a really big fan of Hum, and uh, you know, John would talk about Hum because they were out on the road and stuff, and he was doing business for them daily. Yeah. And what I did is I came in one day, like I would ride my bike with my little backpack. Um, it was probably about like six miles away through traffic. I'd ride over there. Yeah. And I, I came in and I had a bunch of failure t-shirts and I basically asked John, I was like, John, I'm going to make you three copies um, of, uh, or four copies of fantastic planet. Yeah. And here are four t-shirts. Can you get this to the guys on the road? And I wrote a little note saying, just love your music. Yeah. Here's a copy of the new record. Yeah. When you guys are done and you're ready we should tour together. Oh fuck, that's so cool. Uh, um, but then, of course, they broke up. Right, right, right. Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I did go get to see them when they came back to Los Angeles. They were opening up for Bush. Yeah. Uh, who I wasn't that big of a fan of at the time. Right. Um, mainly because that guy was so good looking. Uh, I, right. yeah, I, I have to hate him. Gavin's I wasn't even giving him a chance. Adult, it was yeah. Just because he was it good looking, and I was jealous. Yeah. yeah. But having said that, I went and saw them play, and they fucking ripped. Yep. <laughs> Bush totally ripped. Yeah, Bush. But I hum, mean, they were solid back hum, in the day. Super ripped. Like yeah. hum was amazing yeah so i i fell in love with brian's playing then okay because you never know on record like how it is that they did all that right right a lot of times like a not so good drummer can appear to be like a really great drummer right until you see them play live you can't fake that right right um so i i have since that since the 90s yeah i guess i've been a big fan of brian's he actually reached out to me um uh, a couple months before he passed, yeah. like maybe six or eight months. Yeah, um, I think it was because he and I both did this podcast. Um, yeah, the drumming podcast where he like talked. Yeah, yeah. For, I can't uh, even remember uh, the recovery. name of it. But yeah, yeah. It was I like a recovery podcast. Yes. It had a lot to do with drummers yes. who had experienced yes. injury and stuff. Yes, yes. Um, uh, 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 so he called me up shortly after that. I'm presu- or not called me, left me a Facebook me- long Facebook message. Yeah, um, just like out of nowhere, like saying, you know, what a huge influence I was yeah. and just loved my playing like on, on all the records and he listens to him all the time. And, yeah. you know, and we had also just toured with hum. So, you oh, know, there okay. was kind of that simpatico also. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was very, very touching. And I wrote back to him, you know, equally like fanboying out. Yeah, and, uh, um, you know, I was, I was, honestly like really bummed to hear about his passing a couple months later oh, i know yeah i mean that was i came out of nowhere but i mean i have to honestly tell you like you guys to me i'm not trying to like dismiss anybody's skills or anything like that but you guys to me are somewhat similar where you're just very hard hitting and kind of accurate and just like this stable kind of for backbone sure. for a band and to know that like you guys were at least acquaintances or maybe friends or whatever just like yeah, like that's some cool ass shit. Like that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, I I wish he had been out on those shows that we we did that tour with him. Like at yeah, East Coast it was 2015, Park. I think, where like the Shiner yeah. guy like filled yeah. in or whatever. Jason, right? Jason yeah, Gerken, who I'm also really good. Oh man, he's with. a fucking slayer. Yeah, yeah he's great. Um, he's I've been I've shit. been good friends yeah. with Jason since uh, uh, Ken did their first record. Yeah, I mean, uh, Molly McGuire record back in the 90s. I mean, he's no one to shake a stick at. I mean, that man's a no. He's a seriously yeah. skilled drummer. Yeah crazy shit yeah so it's kind of weird how a, a lot of the bands from that era again talking about the mid late 90s how many of them um had killer drummers 
but not it seems like that not they're not getting um the they're not getting the praise that they kind of deserve you know what i mean like we don't really have a lot of big yeah, figures and, with drums that's kind of rolled over into you know that's fine I yeah. mean, but honestly, if you're doing what you're doing for someone else to tell you you're good at it, you should be doing something else. Yeah, I mean, you don't yeah. need someone to tell you you're good at drums, right? Like you, you know. And and drums. honestly, like in my case, like not hearing that shit so much that you begin to believe what you're hearing about yourself <laughs> right, 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 is right. a good thing, right? Yeah, especially if you want to keep attaining any type of like personal and professional growth, right? Yeah. yeah, I get it. Yeah, I get it. I, I get it. Um, that so that's not the worst thing in the world. That, that no one, <laughs> yeah, that's no one's like running around saying, you know, Kelly Scott and all the other '90s drummers are great. <laughs> but, but in what? But what I'm getting at though is that being that, uh, like you, for example, you uh, did a lot of session work, and it wasn't about you so much that you went in there and you did what was needed for the songs and. Or whatever, no, and, and that's the thing. I mean, every time I play, it's it's supposed to not be about me, right? Exactly. And I think that when people are real, like somebody like Tommy Lee or whatever, if someone was saying that Tommy Lee was playing on a Dr. Dre record, it would be like a thing, like, oh, Tommy Lee's working with Dr. Dre. You know what I, I mean? mean I, and Coop, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. something that Brian St. Pierre yeah. said on the same podcast that Kelly was on was like. He doesn't want to overplay. He's just trying to like yeah. make. He doesn't want to make the song the best about song. him. Yeah, it's just right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I w- I want to overplay. Oh, <laughs> or, or, I overplay. Like I don't want to overplay on a song. I want to overplay. Like I want to play on as much stuff as I can get my hands on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Um, I, I kind of actually before I blurted that out. Uh, <laughs> but you know, sometimes you should overplay. Hell I've yeah, actually, man. I, I've done, I'm almost up near like 500 songs on these sessions. Holy shit. And, and I've had one revision. Like I do the drum track. I send <laughs> an MP3. They write back going, yeah, it's easy, blah, 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 or whatever. And, you know, I write back. I'm, I'm happy. You're happy. Thank you. It was really fun to play. You got any more stuff? Send it my way. Uh, and then they get their stems like a couple days later. Right. Um, but I, uh, Oh, I forgot where I was going with that. You said you um, had a retake. You said you had a retake. Yeah, oh, yeah. One guy asked for a revision. Um, <laughs> and it was this one guy, like, and I got pretty wild on his track. Really? And he had one revision. He wrote back. He was like, you know, yeah. my mind is blown. Like, holy shit, I can't believe you did this. But now that you've done this, like, I hear it going further. Holy shit. He's like, go more crazy. You know, but it's someone else. It just felt right to do in the moment. Yeah, so I yeah, get for it. For sure. For sure. Um, and, you know, in doing that, you kind of have to remember that, yeah, it's somebody else's. So, you know, don't completely ruin their song by putting a drum solo over it. Right. But yeah, he wrote me back and he was like, yeah, like, you know, just that outro, that last like two minutes. Can you like. Go crazy! I need to hear this track. That's awesome. Yeah, can we get like a list of all the people you've tracked for, so I can just like (laughs) listen to all this shit? (laughs) Um, You know, I mean, I I don't even. A lot of it, I I think maybe a third of it has come out, or or is also still coming out. I know there are two new songs from this band uh, down in San Diego that I think I did four songs for them. Yeah, a uh, really good band after planet. Yeah. Never heard of them. Yeah. Uh, you you might have one of, one of my ads. I actually used 
uh, sometimes I take video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm done with the sessions, I'm done. I'll just put it back out there on my social media. Yep. And mm-hmm. I'll usually use a clip from like in studio. Yeah. Um, and after Planet, where one of the bands, like the the drum take, like everything really, like really, really meshed. I just um, pulled up their band camp page. So I'm going to. Yeah, gonna, that, that stuff's about to come out. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. And yeah, uh, they that have... stuff is really cool. Um, oh, man. I mean, there's just, there's so, so much of it. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Like 500 songs in less than a year is a lot of material. That's, a, that's more than what most people's done in their like careers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm I'm doing like generally 40 to 50 songs a month. Woo. That's crazy. Between 10 and 15 songs a week. Yeah. Man. And I work two sometimes 3 days a week. Man, that's living crazy. the dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's I still like I still have like pinch myself moments. It's pretty fucking spectacular. Yeah, dude. Now, that, would you rather what I get to do? Yeah. Would you rather uh do continue doing um like sessions for like these smaller indie artists or would you would that, is that more appealing to you than going on tour with some big super big band like like I know no, on that one episode no. They, no? they, 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 you know, for, for me, there, there are lots of moving parts that, that mm-hmm. go into like everything that I love about playing. Right. Um, okay. And they're all different. They're all different from one another. They, they feed a completely different skill set. Um, uh, no, I mean, for me, I, I can't really have one without the other. Makes yeah. Sense. Makes sense. Um, uh, and I, I like the challenge of like going out and playing somebody else's material night yeah. after night. Um, I obviously like the challenge of like, you know, just playing all this different stuff week after week mm-hmm. after week. Um, you know, it, I mean, it's all pretty challenging and, and there isn't one part that I love more than the other. Uh, and they all like feed a completely different place in yeah. inside me. That makes sense. So um, with talking about bigger bands and jumping out on tour or whatever, um, is it true that you was gonna there for a split second? You thought about doing the Smashing Pumpkins? Oh, um, I well, yeah, I mean, of course, I thought about it, but I got uh, to hear this story. Holy shit! They well, they reached out to me. They reached okay. out. To me, so um, this is when Jimmy was doing his rehab stuff, right, or whatever. No, no, yeah, this was, was like during the recreation process. Oh, okay, okay, um, okay, okay. Like the the first iteration, they had Nicole playing bass, yeah. who I was in Veruca Salt yeah. with. Yeah, and they had uh, that kid from San Diego who was a phenomenal drummer. Yeah, he was dope. Yeah, I was surprised yes. he let him go. That kid was yeah. so good. It's like I, something better. Schroeder. I think he was better than Jimmy. His name. Yeah, but I think he was, he was really a way good. better drummer than Jimmy was. Yeah, he like yeah. that kid is insanely talented. I know, and he's not I like any, Jimmy is. I'm certainly not diminishing Jimmy's talent. Jimmy is a phenomenal drummer. Right. But this kid and a lot of like younger kids now, they're playing stuff that's just like what I know, and it sucks because like he playing that he hasn't been like in any like bigger bands. Like I've kind of tracked him a little bit. No, like he just loves to play drums in his bedroom and got an opportunity. Yeah, so I mean, his skill set was unbelievable. Yeah. So so Billy reached out to you after. So yeah, so they did that. I think they did maybe like one or two records. I actually Mm. saw him on one of those tours. Um, and then after that, Billy wanted to mix things up. Um, and I'm not sure if he had Eha back in the band yet. 
but he wanted a different drummer and he had a different bass player. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was doing this run of shows. I think it was like five shows. It was like uh, maybe Chicago, New York, Paris, Germany, oh, big uh, and the UK. Yeah. Um, but it was, the problem was uh, two things. Um, it was right when failure got back together and we were due to move into the studio and start setting it up for the recording of The Heart is a Monster. Okay. Um, and I had been waiting 17 years for this. So yeah, I no wasn't shit. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> you know, put something in there to push that all back. Right. And my my wife and I, uh, at the end of every year, go on a honeymoon every year. Oh, cool. Um, That's cool. And that particular year, we were going to Paris. Yeah. Um, and I told them, I was like, well, you know, my honeymoon, I have hotels, tickets booked. They offered me a good pay and to like rebook and pay for all of my expenses. Yeah. Nice. Um, and I just, uh, yeah, I mean, um, I'm, I'm glad you didn't push the you know, if it was back. any other moment, any other moment yeah. where, you know, I didn't have to, a, a, a large problem in a, a lot of my interpersonal relationships back in the nineties, yeah. whether it be, you know, with guys or girls is, you know, I just, um, I didn't really know how to show up for relationships. So, yeah, sense. you know, flash forward, especially something like this, it's when you say you're going to do something, yeah. you do it no matter what, makes like, sense. Yeah. you know, so many people 100%. would be like, well, they're no matter what is, Oh, but wait a minute. They're offering me all this money and da, 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 da. <laughs> or smashing in essence, you're basically saying that, you know, I love you and you're the most important thing in my life. But this <laughs> one time, here's that other thing that's more important. Yeah. Right. So, you know, I also took the opportunity, you know, for myself and my relationship. Yeah, holy then, shit. You're you right. Know, yeah. yeah. When everything is said and done and gone, yep. like, you know, what do I have left? Like who's by my side? Oh, damn, like, that's you know, a good point. And, and that also depends on like what kind of relationship you're building. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to grow old with someone, well, then you gotta like put in the work. Yeah, can't go on tour with Billy. You know, a good relationship deserves <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah, dude. You wow. know, from both people. No, I get it. That's crazy. I mean, I yeah, agree. and that goes with the band. Like that's yeah. why I'm always so. Oh, we're gonna be doing something. I need all the music so I can go in and work for weeks on my own. Right, right. You know, so I'm like over prepared before I can even bother other people by getting in the same room. Do you guys stay you know, in touch not, like, a lot? Scratching like, your heads like, going, well, you don't know this. Like you're kind of wasting yeah. our time, you know, not knowing all this stuff. Like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I've, I've always kind of been like that, especially with studio stuff. Yeah. Mm. It's like working with Linda. It's like, Okay, here's the song. Da, 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 da. Okay, go record. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like you don't get this, hey, you sit around and listen to it for three hours and learn it. Right. Thing. You're like coming in and write out charts, or you <laughs> listen to it once and you go out and you start recording for someone's record. Do do Ken and Greg like keep in touch with you as they're like, you know, writing these records and stuff? Or is yes. it like a more collaborative yeah. thing? Or are you in there? No, no we doing it? like we when when we were working, like thousands and thousands of emails go back and forth yeah. on everything from packaging to liner notes yeah. to yeah. this date on a tour or you remember last time we played there maybe not this time yeah uh, or everything i mean there're like hundreds thousands of emails that go back and forth yeah. on everything uh, um, same love, with love, like love when it. we finish recording everything yeah. the mixes 
you know, I'm sure there are some internal mixes that Ken does, and he's like, oh, I don't like that. Yeah, just oh, I don't like that. Him to, you yeah. know, and then when he like feels like he's, you know, in the song and, right. and producing what he likes, then we start getting like different versions of it. Okay, and we chime in and go back and forth and cool. you know give notes cool, and things cool. like that. Cool, cool. All right. That was like my last fanboy question. I just had to, like, <laughs> had to get that out there. So. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're, you know, it, it takes three, right. It takes three. Yeah. I and mean, I, yeah. I think that's definitely um, a, a very big part of, you know, why we're able to continue doing what we're doing. Yeah. I mean, the last um, three. And probably like, why, yeah. you know, it, it's getting so better. It, it is. It is getting better. It's insane. I think yeah. So. Like, this is a, it's just fucking crazy. Like it's this so is a good. band, yeah, a band that is was broke up for almost twenty years, and they've come back and put out yeah, even better material man. than their. their yeah, first but that's the thing. Like each one of us had twenty years of experience that we brought right. back into it. Yeah, and you didn't miss a beat either. When I listen to yeah, um, my heart is a monster. It sounds like and the natural evolution of Fantastic Planet. And as then, soon as, uh, yeah, as, soon as we got like, back, as soon as we got back into a room together, it was just after magic, all that right? Time we playing together, it was just like, yeah, fuck. yeah, instantly. That's so cool. instantly That's like so you cool. share. You know, it's like uh, when you go back home and you see all the friends you grew up with. Yeah. like you're the way you, you speak, just know. yeah, and, yeah, like, yeah, vernacular. Like everything changes and you get more animated, like you were five again. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and as soon as you leave, like you're, you know, this adult with a wife and kid. <laughs> right. Right. You know, oh, so there, so there's a certain, good. you know, there are our, our personalities like interact. Hmm. And then, you know, when we play, there's a certain like vernacular, a certain musical language that we've developed over all of those years. Um, and that we're still developing. Yeah, like it's mm. it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Our vocabulary is just growing and growing and growing. Yeah, with each new record, like we're trying to put together a set list, and it fucking man, <laughs> that has to be like hard. Over a hundred yeah. songs, and you don't. And yeah, every you, song like, has a really good reason to yeah. play it. <laughs> But yeah, too, before yeah, uh, before you uh, before you jumped on, John and I were talking, and uh, we talking about our favorite song off uh, the new record. Uh, by the way, the new record for those listening is Wild Type Droid. Yep, uh, it's available now. It's it was our record of the year for two thousand you know twenty one. But anyway, we talked about our favorite. <laughs> came uh, in at the eleventh hour and scooped up the prize. Oh yeah, oh, you shit. just slayed. You yeah. just slayed all the yeah, other bands yeah. on my list. Um, but uh, so my favorite song on the record is actually John's favorite song off the new yeah, record. Yeah, we talked so, about that before you jumped on. What's uh, that? Uh, Long Division. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I was uh, so we were talking about. So good. Yeah, I mean, the record's fantastic from start to that, finish. I mean, but... that doesn't surprise me. And actually, when we were talking about the set list and which songs we had to play, yeah. um, Long Division's definitely one of them. It's, I, I, love the, like, I love the talking in the background. That's a very failure, old and new song. Yeah, like, yeah. Like encompasses. Now, the talk- is that one of the? Yeah. Is that now? Uh, what John's getting ready to say? Yeah. Um, with that record, was that one the drums track on that one? Was that one of the original no. demo drums? No, no. Those were at Grohl's place. Okay. Okay. Because okay. um, there's like talking in the background that we can kind of pick it up. Yeah, I thought well, it was like, like chit chatting or whatever. That, some of the guitar stuff and that intro is from the jam session. Oh, shit. Okay. okay. And, okay. and actually, okay. if you listen to the new take, we wanted to redo all the drums. So one thing I had to do with that intro section, yeah. mm-hmm. because there's no click track. Right. Right. Uh, basically, Ken had to map out his, a click to his guitar. 
So it like slowly like speeds up and slows down and right. speeds up and right. speeds up. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of like moves into the song before yes. it yeah, sort yeah. of plunges down into a tempo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he had to map that out. So that was particularly weird to replay those drums with a click track that was like moving <laughs> around. Right. Um, you know, fortunately it was like really, really short. So, yeah. You know, well, it I thought extremely difficult. It was just weird. Yeah. Originally, I don't know if you listened to the last episode, but we was talking about it. I was thinking that because, you know, failure is like space rock and it's all like kind of spacey. I thought it was like NASA, like sound, <laughs> cl- you know, like yeah. astronauts oh, yeah. like talking space transmissions. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, no, this- some, of the, some of the guitars in that song were kept. Those are the, 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 the genesis of that song is from the jams. Okay. Like okay. there are parts in that song. Yeah. Like the, the jam, sometimes it would just be something that Greg played on the bass six for one bar. Right, right, yeah. right, like right. We yeah. did 20 minute sprawling jam and there's one bar where Greg plays this thing. Right. And we take that out Make and build a, a song. song. Yeah. I mean, the vocals on that. I mean, just the lyrics. So of the vocals, it's mixed like, and match. Just so premium. You know, Water With Hands is predominantly like an entire jam. Right. You know, most of that is done with vocals added to it afterwards. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, it's, so uh, it's it's they're they're all like slightly different. There was no one method yeah. that encompasses like even on long division. So when we recorded drums for that at Grohl's, I played. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure I played the entire song, <coughs> just kick and snare. Um, I might have played full kit on the choruses. I mean, you're with like all the symbols. Yeah, I mean, your fills are very like hi hat. But like, I played, snare. yeah, yeah. I I played the verses uh, and the pre-chorus just kick and snare. Yeah, and then went back and overdubbed the hi hat part. Oh, okay. that's weird. That, yeah. Okay, yeah. Now, I, now, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, because like your your fills are kind of at least compared to other songs, like very kind of simple and you're located like yeah. on one spot of the kit. So that makes, that makes perfect sense. So. Yeah. Every, every now and again, a drum part gets written. That is a little bit, um, it's a little bit uncomfortable for me to play. Right. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, and sometimes that's just, you know, after I sit down with it and learn it, yeah. sometimes it's just maybe lowering my hi hat. So I'm sitting on the song differently <laughs> yeah, makes sense. like undone is a lot like that which is that 16th note thing yeah, yep. yeah, the yeah. Kick drum pattern in order to play all those doubles very strong yeah mm. like i kind of have to lean over to the right um but makes i need sense. to like sort of bend at the waist to play those 16th notes yeah. really like yeah staccato them, and rigid so yeah. that song there there's as soon as i started playing it because there are all those like really quick like syncopated kick drum in mm. the especially the verse pattern yep. that da 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 the drum pattern yeah. with those 16th note hi hats and the hi hats needed to be open a certain way so i just i, I didn't feel necessarily balanced when i was playing it right. like we did go throughs yeah. and it just in my head it wasn't sitting right i wanted it to be much tighter yeah that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah within like the pre-recorded the way they had recorded the guitars and bass right yeah it, um, kinda, it comes back to the physicality of playing yeah. drums too yeah. and again that is something that a lot of people don't pay attention to no and that that's one thing like when i go back and learn this stuff part of the pre-production for a song like that is readjusting like the, the drum positions yeah 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, just because I've never played th- those, you know, that sequence of notes together before mm. in that way. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was especially the like when I'm doing 16th, when I'm doing da 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 da, but I'm also doing the same thing on the kick drum. Right. Yeah. But coming off to play snare drum beats, that type of syncopation. Yeah. While having the hi hat kind of flowy. Yeah. Like yeah. Drum like a drum machine. Yeah. Um, it was just so juxtaposed. Um, I didn't really want to fuck around with doing take after take after take. After take, after take <laughs> no after shit. After take. Yeah. No like, shit. You know, and just and that's another thing that you build like as a band and recording. Like you know yourself well enough. Right. Like, what's the best way to do this to get the end product? Yeah, what we're looking uh, for. And we'd love to experiment and fuck around with stuff like that. Right. And I do it really well. Sometimes it can be challenging to overdub other drum parts on top of your parts yeah. to make it sound like one guy playing everything at the same time. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Oof. Yeah, you don't want it's to slip shit, a disc. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that, one, that <laughs> one's going to be particularly fun and challenging to play live. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, yeah. uh you guys are going to be going on tour pretty soon. You know, fingers for all you people that can't see this, I'm crossing my fingers. Yeah, no shit. Yeah. Right? I um, saw the dates. Um I yeah. I will definitely if my fingers cross and my feet and arms and legs, you know, I'll we'll, be at the we'll, Chicago show. We'll see. I mean, it's yeah. nobody can predict what's going to happen. Like a lot of people have great ideas, really talented, yeah. educated people, yeah. but when you've got a third of the population that says uh, fuck you. Yeah, no shit. Right. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck your neighbor. Yeah. I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. It's my personal freedom to fuck everybody over. Right. Um, you know, if you can't tell, that's how I feel about all that shit. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, everybody wants things to go back. It's like, all right, well, act like a community of people and do what their professionals are telling us to fucking do. And, you know, as long as a third of the country is passing this disease around, mm-hmm. we're going to keep seeing do new variants. Right. That's how diseases work. Right. Um, so, you know, we already had that one tour last summer canceled. So we'll, I, we'll see. I had, uh, I bought we'll tickets. I bought tickets for the Chicago show, like on the very second that they went up for pre-order, or, you know, the, the first thing. And uh, that was what, which I, I haven't. When, when the when, it, when they started closing things down, I was thinking, "Oh no, my failure tickets." <laughs> I was just yeah. about to say. I mean, I dropped off for a second, but uh, my friend and I we booked a trip to go to Portland just to see uh, Kowloon Walled City. Kelly, have you heard of Who? those guys at all? Kowloon Walled City—they're like a kind of a post-hardcore no. band out of oh. San Francisco. If you get a chance, you know, after the podcast or, you know, in between your spare time, check them out. But they're just kind of like a noisy, kind of minimal, I guess, kind of post-hardcore, like post-metal band. They're pretty cool. Um, But my friend and I, you know, we were like, oh, you know, they're going to do Portland and Washington because they don't tour a whole lot. And so we booked tickets and, you know, we did an Airbnb and like a plane and, you know, and then, you know, no this to them they canceled the show and it's just like fuck we can't get yeah. our money back on the airbnb at this point like we just so we ended up going on the trip and it was fun but man I did mean, you go on a fishing trip or it's got know. some good fishing <laughs> no we uh the only thing of like note that we did is we went and saw howard hughes's like blue uh uh oh, yeah. that big wooden plane yeah. that he builds on the yeah. aviator um, spell, yeah, other than that we just kind of bar hopped that man around, so 
Kowloon Walled City. So it's basically named after the actual city in China that I don't think is a uh-huh. thing anymore. So K O L O O N K O L K O W L O O N W O O N. Yeah. Oh, cow so K- with a K and loon like a crazy person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Cow yeah. loon and yeah, what? What's the out. last part? Cow loon wall. Walled city. So W A L L E D city. W A L L D city. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're dope. Check them out. Yeah. Uh, there's no way. Like this. you're like, oh yeah, it's just Kowloon Wall City. Like there's no way phonetically you can come up with that <laughs> oh, spelling on your own. I mean, yeah. That's what you get when you have like S. Like I instantly bands, started right? out with a C, yeah. and you're like K. anyways uh, the guy runs a studio in san francisco his name's scott evans and he he slays and we're just fans and well it's a it's a hallmark of this show that we mispronounce things and and get and get our wires crossed on facts (laughs) (laughs) so and, and also like when when we lost those shows last summer um Dude, for like months after that, like it's a drag hearing like hundreds, thousands, like everybody like mm-hmm. trying to get their money back. And yep. you know, none of those people are. Yeah, trying I, to get I, their money I was back. like, I'm not tagging the band. Like, it's, they, it's, it's, they canceled the show. It's crazy. And it alone. seems like a lot of our career yeah. since we've been back together. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just been one thing at like the fucking pledge music stealing everybody's uh, money. Yeah. Uh, then there's yeah. the like, you know, a thousand questions a day about if we're going to reprint t- Fantastic Planet. It's like, yeah, I mean, yeah. come on. We think about these things and yeah, we're going right. to do it. Do you realize how much it costs to reprint mm-hmm. Fantastic Planet? Like a thousand double vinyls? That's like 15, 20 grand. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I've, I live in an insane. apartment. Yeah. If I had 15, 20 grand laying around, I would, you know, <laughs> You know what I mean? It's like it takes yep, yep. it takes time, and it's like, and then you know we put stuff out, like we just put out our entire catalog, mm-hmm. and then of course you know that one guy like yep. emails in, like, what about this obscure song that no one in the band even Jesus remembers? Oh. Fucking it's Christ! Like, oh man, Ugh. barf. Yeah, I hear, um, you. I hear you. Yeah, you know we've finally on this record, like this is the first record since the first record where we haven't had any setbacks mm-hmm. and it's just, I mean, it's punishing. Like it's, I mean, I get it. I'm not, I'm, I'm saying this like, this is no diss on, on the fans. It's punishing mm-hmm. us as a band that all of this fucking crazy shit. That's not within our control. Right. keeps happening. Right. And like basically fucking our yeah. fans over, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's fucking us over, but it's yeah. also like fucking over the people who are like supporting us and, and buying and paying for like these live shows and, and music. And it's, yeah, I had weeks where it's just more debilitating and more like of a, not, you know, I, I can't honestly say I, I know what full blown depression is, Mm -hmm. but if I can imagine like, you know, there were days where like, you know, I just, want to get out of bed and have all this not be a thing. 
you know right. hopefully yeah. when i was well, asleep I, yeah. like somehow this got fixed and everything's going to be okay today and it just yeah. didn't I mean, for it, weeks and months and now I mean, it really really <laughs> takes a lot out of you like personally and professionally yeah i mean i can't imagine i mean i have i have friends that work for live nation and you know them their livelihood got taken yeah. away because the music industry just kind of got you know left behind or whatever so I mean, yeah, I can't imagine actually like being a musician mm. and needing yeah. to feel that like cathartic, you know? Um, like, I mean, I, again, I was fortunate, like when it first happened, I had a gig, uh, I was working at a software company. Um, but part of the, another part of the reason I started the session thing is that gig, I literally like got laid off, you know, yeah. six months post-op with like all these cancer responsibilities mm -hmm. and needing Jesus insurance and... Christ. Yeah, they literally, yeah. it was a corporation had bought my company during the pandemic. So right. they laid me off like right. in the 11th hour at the end of the month. And oh, how nice of them. All of my benefits. Fuck. Nice. Um, so Jesus rather than freak Christ. out, I was just like, all right, you know, you know, I, I know like don't freak out and retreat into these moments. Like get into action. Like what's something you can do right now? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. So you know, I had this meeting, they laid me off. Uh, it's six o'clock. I clock out for the very last time. And I go on my Facebook and basically, Hey, I'm doing sessions. If you got a song, I don't care who you are, or how good you are so or cool. aren't like send it to me. I would yeah. love to put drums on it for dirt cheap. Um, and it's, it's, you, I woke up the next morning to 25 gigs Nice. every week since. Yeah. Yeah, that's just yeah, yeah. Props, I it's man, uh the it's great that it's you know everyone's I guess trying to keep themselves busy, especially when we're all like kind of locked down. Um, you get kind of, some people get a little creative, and sometimes the the you know the creativity's fleeting. But man, to be able to do something that you're good at and actually make yeah. it your living, you know, yeah, that's or, just awesome. I mean, honestly, you know, a, a, a lot of what ails us as people is you know, our own inability to get out of our own fucking way. Yeah. You yeah. Know, we're constantly yeah, no like, shit. oh, this is no what shit. I'm supposed to do. This is, uh, I only mm -hmm. want to do this. Yeah. I only want to do that. Like, if you could just get rid yeah. of like 30% of the times that you do that, there's right. so much more. Like yeah. I said, I was working this software gig. It was fucking amazing. <laughs> you know, I'm like 48 years old. I've never yeah. done anything but play music. A friend of mine owns this company. He comes along with this opportunity. And yeah, I mean, at first I was yeah. scared because I didn't know anything about it. But I was really serious right. and he gave me this job. So I took responsibility and learned it really quick. And I was at the top of my game and knew and could do just as much as anybody else that had been working there within like a few short months, like two, three months. Like, right. you know, I was, I was in there. Like I knew what I was talking about and what I was doing. Um, and, right. you know, so it's just saying yes and, and being able to go through those uncomfortable moments of, like when you first started doing something and you're embarrassed as an adult that, that you don't sense. know what you're doing or you're not good at it or, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, those, yeah. those just, you know, work hard in those moments. The harder you work, the shorter lived those yeah. moments are. And then all of a sudden you're like doing this crazy, amazing thing, like, you know, in the second half of your life. And it, I mean, it was yeah. great. It was extremely rewarding and I was really good at it. Um, and I was, right. you know, able to be creative, and I mean, it was just as much fun as anything else I've ever done. I, um, I think it's uh, awesome. Fucking, 
therapy sessions yeah, with Kelly like, Scott. He, he's charging. Yeah, for that I got too, into like, like plants and stuff during the pandemic. And, you know, <laughs> oh hell yeah! Uh, everybody, my wife. A loves, few years loves, back, my yeah. wife got me into yoga and plants, which yeah. you want to feel uncomfortable, like. <laughs> but even that, like, yoga's only the first even couple times, and then like the learning curve yeah. is really quick. Like you start to get good at it, and you start to feel like your yeah. inner strength, and you can hold positions longer. And you know, before you know it, like you know, you're looking around the room, and you're no longer the new person wobbling around yeah. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be like double octopus drummer now. That you know, so flexible, I mean, my, you know my I mean? point like, is, it, you know, most most of the stuff we go through that sucks is because yeah. of our own two hands. Right. You know, I can certainly no, say sure. that in my no, own case. Sure, sure. And in this particular instance, and even with, you know, I mentioned earlier with the cancer, it's like, okay, you have cancer. I don't know anything about cancer. I don't know anything about the type of cancer. I don't know. I don't know anything. All I know is I have this thing. Nobody said I'm going to die, you know, so I didn't start projecting all this crazy stuff that, mm. you know, they're going to remove my leg or I'm going to be dead in a week or, you know, any of that mm. stuff. I just stayed yeah. right yeah. where I was. You know, I read up a little bit on, you know, colon cancer and, you know, I, I yeah. was on the phone. You have cancer. Okay. When can I do a colonoscopy? Three days later, I did that. They're like, yep, you have a single one. When can I do all the other stuff? Three days later, within a week, right. I was ready to go into surgery. You know, and yeah. I was firm with the surgeon. Like, I just want this out of me. Hmm. Let's just get it out. Right. You know, so you do what is the next thing in front of you and don't project into the worst case scenarios that you build for yourself or keep yourself from doing something. Oh, hmm. I'm not going to do that. No one's going to want drum sessions. Oh, I tried this a couple of years ago when I spent 500 bucks on a website and nobody, you know, yeah. got any of my sessions. Like, you know, you never yeah. know. Like, yeah, I do try this before Damn. and like, I think I did one session and, you know, I was, I was kind right. of bummed out. I was like, oh, nobody loves me. And, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I got over it, <laughs> right. you know, and yeah. then flash yeah. forward, I did it again and boom, like a year later, like 500 songs yeah. later. Like, so, so you know, cool. you don't so cool. know. None of us right. are the master of the universe. It's your job to show up and fucking say yes. Right. Because yep. even if you don't yeah. like that thing you're saying yes to, you might brush right up against that thing that you want to say yes to because of it. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. For in sure, ways for sure. that only get unreve- get revealed as they like play out. Like, yeah, you know, you and like those things are, yeah, they're above sense, our pay yeah. grade. We can't know. Right. No matter how much experience we have oh, and we project into our future, like nobody knows right. the fucking future. Right. You yeah. can't. Yeah, Man. no shit. You know, and, 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 yeah. and also with your with your <laughs> drums, crazy, your yeah. drum sessions, you should also do therapy sessions. <laughs> yeah, I, no shit. You know, Jelly Scott therapy I've, and drums, I've, you know. There there's two things that keep coming back to me. Um one is a book. Mm. Um, like we're talking about this stuff right here. Like this is there's there's this whole other pile of like just the first ten years when I moved here, all of the racket right. and weirdness that I got into to get to where I was going to get. Right. Um, yeah. No shit. That yeah. you know, a lot of fun decisions, bad decisions, scary decisions, dangerous decisions, like a lot of just really kind of right. crazy ass shit. 
Um, and I've always yeah. thought about that, but I always poo poo it because, well, I'm not a writer and you know, who's going to give a shit like all oh, that story. Everyone does it. Yeah. Like, I don't care yeah. how confident yeah. a person looks on the outside. Like they have yeah. an inner dialogue that tells them sometimes that they're not enough. Yeah. Oh, oh I know. That, I mean, everybody it's beats themselves up. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Being yeah. Anyone that says they don't is yeah. not telling the truth. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, everyone's worst enemies themselves most of the time. Um, right? Yeah, and so it's like, only when you embrace that part of yourself that you truly begin to become confident. Yeah, when you yeah, can share you the things you like you know that aren't so good about yourself, that's when you have confidence. Hundred hmm. uh, percent. Yeah. But there, there's Damn. that. There's that, <laughs> and there's um, uh, getting some type of. Uh, uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe a therapy degree, psychology you degree. You could do it. I, I, the only reason yeah. I mention that is because um, when I first got sober, it was like 17 years ago, May May 18th is my sobriety date. Yeah. And I ran nice. recovery homes before I'd stopped playing music and I slowly ran recovery yeah. homes for like six years um, and okay. uh, uh, was really active in AA. I was doing a lot of like speaking at meetings and stuff and Really, really sure. on fire um, for the program. I mean, I still am. I still am. Um, I, I don't yeah. go to as many meetings. I'm not nearly as crazy as I was. I was doing like five, six meetings a day. But I, I found right. this part of myself where um, I was able to articulate what it is to be a human being mm-hmm. and, and how I for feel. Sure. Like, you know, the good parts of me, the bad parts of me, the questionable parts, yeah. the questions I have. Um, asking questions, right. not knowing how to do things. Like I really, in in part of getting sober was deconstructing yourself and building back the person you always told everybody you were. Mm. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. And and it's wow. it's it's not a stagnant thing. Like you don't just do it once. Like once mm. you start doing it, right. it goes on forever. You know, and there are certain yep. things you have to do every day. Um, you know, yeah. like if you tell a little yeah. fib, if you add something to your story, mm-hmm. that basically means I don't feel like I'm enough. So I had to add that extra little bit to make me sound yeah. better. Okay. Right. Um, okay. Or yeah. name dropping. You're being self-seeking. Like there are mm-hmm. all these like, right. you know, lack of confidence and fear based things that make you do really kind of stupid things. Right. Anyway, long right. story short. <laughs> wow. And working with a lot of guys and sponsoring guys and helping hundreds, maybe even right. thousands of guys get sober over the years um, in such a close right. environment. Like you have to have a really great understanding of the any inner workings of yourself. Mm-hmm. So you can yeah, like yeah, yeah. offer that guide to people who are lost. Like I was when I first started that's getting sober. Crazy. Like nobody knows yeah, how to get sober yeah, when they start. Me. And it has nothing to do with putting no, down absolutely. the drink and drugs. It has to do with turning into a person that doesn't feel like they need to take drinking and drugs are great. (laughs) Exactly what they're supposed to do. Just like Tylenol does. When I have a headache, I take a Tylenol, you know, when I'm feeling like I'm not enough and the world like hates my guts, I drink and I'm the most attractive guy in the party. Like they're perfect. Yep. But I hear you. They don't I hear you 100%. anything. Like all of those powers yep. are with you within you as a person. I just never knew how to access that personal power. 
Yeah, um, and like your like your parts and so, things like that. And like you know, long story short, I learned to yeah. become very very articulate about what it is to be a person and why it is that I do what I do. And 99% of that is yeah. the same reason that everybody does what they do. We're all the yeah, same. No shit. Yeah. Wow. You know, if you yeah. slice us down the middle and turn us inside out, there's absolutely no difference. Yeah. Mm. Damn. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, so that, you know, those, <laughs> those two things are like two things that I've, I've definitely thought of and, you know, again, like that human part, it's like, oh, you know, you're not enough to do those things. You know, I'll be honest. That's yeah. what it is. I have a bunch of great excuses. Oh, I'm busy with music. Like, it's not that at all. Yeah. Like, I'm not that busy. Yeah. Like, there, I still have, you know, four to six hours every day that I could be doing, you know, two hours of something else. Yeah. 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 Well, we... Whew. This yeah, it's hitting us with some truth in here tonight. You know, yeah, most of the time on the shit, on this podcast, me and John just discuss our love of Showgirls, the nineteen ninety five movie. So, <laughs> Kelly Scott, give us your Showgirls yes. take. Come on, you got anything um, for I, us? I don't. I don't think I've ever seen that movie. Well, what? No shit. Yeah. Come on, man. You got to watch it. Then. That's the one with uh, um, uh, who's in that? The Saved by the Oh, Gunner. Elizabeth. Elizabeth Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't. Go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing like about that movie said, watch me. To me. Uh, we were, we were slightly hoping that maybe because like failure was kind of like around, like maybe that you maybe had like this no. little nugget no. that you, no. No, nothing. <laughs> no, zero. No. <laughs> uh. I don't know how this happened to our podcast, but it's a it's thing. A thing. That's happened, so. Well, you know, the, yeah. it, during the the pandemic, you know, a lot of people has done stuff. I tried to do a podcast, and here I am with the seventh episode with Kelly right? Scott. Right? <laughs> yeah. No shit. So Fuck you yeah. know, I mean, when okay. you were starting it, I'm sure you had lots of questions, and like, you know, there's so many podcasts, and oh yeah, there's know. enough white people oh, yeah. with beards talking about music on yeah. the internet. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. <laughs> but uh, oh man, yeah, we That's... uh, I I'm I'm gonna completely fanboy here for a second. Um, I really really appreciate you, t- you taking the time. Uh, first of all, even listening yeah. to the other episode just to reach out and say that you was down. Yeah, that was cool. You know, uh, oh cool. my my pleasure. Like I'm I'm having a blast being here. I uh, we uh, I interviewed you years ago. Like yeah, no, I know the bearded gentleman. Yeah. yeah, there you go. See, yeah. Yeah, no, that's how I knew. I knew exactly who you were when I saw it. And I was like, Ah. oh, fuck with them. (laughs) Yes. That's so cool. So, uh, yeah. And I even had a beard at the time. That's cool. Ah. Well, well, I had a beard. or The makings. I had like a quarter of a beard up until the night before last. Okay. Yeah, there you go. See, I I grew a beard because I hate shaving and I'm super lazy. So I'm like, Um, you know what? Just use clippers. Yeah, I haven't used a razor blade yeah. since probably the stuck on you video. <laughs> yeah, I mean you, you got to yeah. use clippers, otherwise, yeah, I'm a clippers guy. Yeah, it's too, so much man. easier, and you don't get, get cut. Yeah. And I, I feel I look like a lizard. I get angry. Like hairs, I look like a weird know, lizard like skin hairs. when I get all the way down yeah. close. Well, I look. Yeah, I don't want. I don't want like the yeah. play well, face. Like I need. If I shave, something. I look like mm-hmm. I'm twelve. So I'd probably. 
I've seen it. How old are you now? You're like 40? <laughs> I'm, I'm 38. You're 38? Yeah. All right. So I'll give it two, give it two to four more years, and you'll want to look that age. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Cool. Yep. I go, I go back and forth between. Oh, I want to look young again. Oh, I want to look cool again. I want to look young again. Grow it, shave it, grow it, shave it. Every now and again, I get really funny about it, and I'll just like leave the mustache. Oh yeah, there you You know, which I'd I'd love the mustache. I think I would. Like, I swear, there's a video where you have like a very manicured, like you kind of have like a manicured like beard in in one of your videos. I do. Think is one of the new ones. Yeah, against against. Anyone making that up? Anyone manicuring their facial hair? <laughs> okay, so I'm making that. Just, I swear, I saw, dude. No, there's it a pink. Okay, right. it's not I mean, a manicure beard. That, like, you why don't you have trim beard. your leg I'm hair looking, and like manicure your I'm arm looking, hair? I'm looking at a picture of you right now. You do have a very solid mustache, and then like a there. It's not manicured. You're right. It's not manicured. But I'm, I'm seeing. <laughs> yeah, and it might be. It. Well, if there's lighting and stuff, maybe if. When you turn to the side, you see how there are a thousand hairs going in a hundred directions. <laughs> um, and it's like red you here have, and what, brown you, there and like <laughs> white right here. Yeah, I got like more on one yeah, side. Yeah, you got the yeah. salt and pepper. You're looking good. You guys, all three of you have aged wonderfully. Yeah. There, how about that? <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to blame one that, that, one, that one on uh, my mom and dad. Uh, and and stopping uh, using drugs and smoking when I did. Good for you. There you go. Yeah, we'll take it. We'll take it. They're, even these younger pictures of you guys, it just it's a it's a trip. That's kind of that's some uh, crazy shit. That, right that stuck on you video. You yeah. guys are babies on there, dude. Did you ever see that poster yeah. of the four of us for Fantastic Planet where we're like in space and there's like a purple around <laughs> us? I'm looking at um, it right now. It's like this, we look right like now. the Duran Duran of like '90s rock. <laughs> that nice. Um, it it was have, somebody. On, I'm looking at somebody I'm looking at Warner it Brothers was like, you know, we got to make a poster for the girls. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, it's, it's just like tool guys showing up to their shows. We got to do something about yeah. this. It's weird because, like, again, going back to the 96, like, no one knew what the hell they were doing back then. And, like, they were just giving bands record deals and everything. And then once they had them all signed, they didn't know how to market them. It's like, at well, all. These, yeah, these guys are good looking, I guess. Yeah. Let's make them at prettier, all. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, that was, that was part yeah. of our demise. I mean, we didn't really fit in. Mm hmm. You know, we certainly were not grunge. No. Um, and right. we certainly were not metal. And we weren't, like, technical enough to fit in, like, one of those sort yeah, of... Like prog or uh, Yeah, prog dudes. Yeah, easy um, fucking categories. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, it was weird. We were just a rock band. Yeah. Like, and, and I, yeah, I, I mean, fucking kick-ass. Like, everyone at band, like, the record company was just kind of like a deer in the headlights. Like, they were hearing something else that was, like, way more artsy than it was right. you know and it really wasn't right. i mean at the heart of it like it was just really it was good rock yeah and it still is that uh all all you actually again i'm not turned into a fanboy here but every single one of your records are sound just as good today as they did back then and you yeah it's like yeah. they're timeless Dude, what about the remix and master that, of comfort uh I, I I bought that one as soon as you guys had put all the stuff back on Bandcamp. I uh, I spent all my money 
on on every one it, of those. <laughs> All the money. It's a completely different record. <laughs> yeah, it's it sounds fresh though. I mean, like it sounds like it could be just released today and it would be just yeah. as effective. It sounds yeah. like three I mean, dudes rocking out in a room and pressing up. record. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, that that has become since we redid all that stuff and released the box that that's become one of my. It was never one of my favorites before. There were certain songs on there that I really really liked, right. mm-hmm. and I really liked them more the way I mean, we that was play the them first now. Album, so it, yeah. yeah. Um, right. So that was like the one record that I never super super got into. I've kind of like from magnified on. Yeah. Um, but since Ken remixed everything, like I love that record. Like all of the songs like really speak to me now. Like it really sounds yeah. like a super tight unit. Um, yeah. That's a really good record. Yeah. All, all of them are good records. Come on now. <laughs> I, well, I didn't, that yeah. particular one, I didn't think that before. Yeah. I, yeah. they're, they're, they're fantastic. I, I just, you know, I, I think the, ex, the experience of the band got lost mm. in, in going out to Albini's place and, you know, uh, hiring someone else yeah. to try and recreate something that only lives inside of you. Yeah. Um, and also, right. you know, they're, they're inexperienced at the time. Like they hadn't done other records. Mm-hmm. So they didn't, you know, you kind of learn as you go. Um, all of these things, like how right, do I act right. when I'm in a recording studio? <laughs> right. What's going to be asked of yeah, me no when shit. I'm in a recording studio? Like, you know, there are lots of things that when yeah. you're making your first record, you just don't know. Um, and you're reliant right. on right. like the person in charge to just kind of tell you what to do, you know? And then, right. you know, there are those moments where you're like, mm, you know, the, the, inner creative person inside of me just doesn't like this, but you know, this guy's like a proven talent and I'm being an asshole. If I say something, you know, so you push that stuff down and you know, you, you make a record and you listen to it back and you're like, you know, there's so many things on there that you wish you had done differently. And that's just the worst kind of record to make. Yeah. You know, whether the songs are good or not. Well, right. one good thing is I think you guys have never have to worry about making another bad record. <laughs> yeah, you're on you're on a fucking no, roll. I'll tell you um, that much. Uh, um, I'm I'm gonna maintain a healthy respect for whatever it is we we have going. Um, yep. and I'm I'm not gonna affirm that remark. Okay. Um, because Fair. maybe we Fair. will, and you yeah. know what? Yeah. I'm fine with that. Yeah. If you make like, you know, four, five, six amazing records and one bad one, name me one other band that's ever done that. Right. Yeah, no shit, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I hear you on that. I hear you. Well, look, I, I have to fanboy. I mean, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so who knows? I mean, I hope we don't. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not going to. Uh, um, I can't say we won't. Right, you don't want to get too cocky. Right, I don't. I don't think. It would I mean, be beyond me, beyond me, fanboying. of what we have going on, and I think it would be pretty presumptuous and kind of pretty arrogant. Yeah, to think that you know what we're doing is the end all to be all. You know, sometimes I think like right. making a bad record can make you a great band, just like in UFC. Like the guys yeah. that lose fights right. come back to be champions. That's true. Um, right. So there, there's as I mean, much, probably more, to be gained by doing a bad record than a great record. That's true. So, 
so one thing that I mean I've kind of noticed, and I don't mean to like go off on another tangent because we've already done like two and a half <laughs> hours, but like it sounds like three friends that have been in a band together for a very long time, just like having kind of fun. Does that is that like a weird kind of? Um, do, do you feel like that? I mean, I feel like you guys are like aging so well together. We're it's like your ears and we're, your playing, we're definitely you know like I mean? brothers. Like we we share a type of relationship that because of what we do together, you can't really share with anyone else. Mm. Like you yeah, that's what will, I mean. it sounds like you, we, yeah, we have been yeah. together a long time. So we know all of those things that yeah. family members know about one right. another. Um, right. But in, in saying that in the period that we broke up and got back together, like it only yeah. got better because we broke up. Because during that time, yeah, space. like needed each space. one of us personally yeah. really got to figure some things out and change some things about yeah. ourselves. So when, when it was time to get back together, the way right. we worked together and the, the healthy respect and competitiveness that we have for one another, like those yeah. two juxtaposed things work really, really well together and in a healthy way. Okay. Okay. Um, where yeah, okay. the previous iteration of failure, like those things are part yeah. of what tore us apart. Hmm. Right. Um, envy and I, resentment I, you, and, you know, and also, yeah. you know, the collapsing of the industry and, right. you know, record after record being right. a disappointment. There were, I mean, there were a lot of things. Um, and it was also, right. you know, our personal journeys led us to dark places. Um, not everybody yeah. that goes yeah. through what we went through does what we did in right. response to it comes out on the other side yeah no shit but fortunately like ken and greg they had families you know and there are certain things that you have to learn how to do when you have children you know selflessness right. yeah of and, course. and and listening yep. and you know we kids, just I each one it, of yeah. us acquired a lot of stuff that we didn't necessarily previously have hmm. um when we got right. back together you know it just drew us even tighter and made it just that much more of a greater and more like pleasurable experience to be around one another, especially in a, a, yeah. a what would normally be heated, tumultuous working environment. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, you saying like competitiveness too, like that's mm -hmm. super intriguing to me, you know, like you guys kind of like challenging. Oh each other yeah. Like, no, yeah. that's what it's all about. That's the only way you get better. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. I love that's it. the only love way it. you get better. Love it. You don't get better by making the same yeah. record over and over. Of course. Right. Yeah. I just, yeah, it just reaffirms like what I'm mm -hmm. hearing when I listen to the song. So it's, it's super cool. That's so um, everyone go out there and buy uh, wild type droid. Everyone's the out best there. one. All it's of the them. Best one. Buy it all. <laughs> it's, it's the it's, best one. <laughs> if, you're, if you're new yes, yes, and yes. you're going to get in on this thing, failure, like this is the best one to get in yeah. on. <laughs> and, and actually Agreed. just buy the whole uh, entire catalog main cap. yeah just buy all the discography yeah there yeah go. i know like it's so weird looking up on Bandcamp, and because we didn't previously have a Bandcamp camp right um or we did right. i think somebody yeah. created one in 2014 but no one ever logged into it <laughs> like there was nothing on ah, it yeah um and right. you know one of the things right. we wanted to figure out this time was like how how do we kind of get this out a little bit more if we're going to be outside of the machine like you know how do we get a bunch of small megaphones yeah to to push all of this stuff out and that's been one of the places it's been usually successful on bandcamp yeah 
Yeah, I love it. Love it. Love um, it. I want to thank you very, very much for taking the time out of your your schedule, your day to Go hang, hang with my us. pleasure. My pleasure. Um, Have me back anytime. I love oh, it. Anytime, you're welcome. Sure thank you have things to say. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe between the next time you can watch Showgirls and then. Maybe yeah, actually, watch I'll, I'll watch Showgirls and do this every time you have one of these. Just send me a link. Yeah, I'll be like a like a, a celebrity call in. I'll just yeah. call in. I'll just go to the link in the yeah, middle of your yeah. other podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, just so you'll catch in, me in whatever in. mood I'm in. Well, you know, ficus is dying. This like is, I repotted this ficus and you know whatever. <laughs> Plant talk, plant talk. We've, uh, Scott. There we this go. is uh, this is the seventh episode, and in every single one of the seventh episodes, we have like hallmarks that we do every time. We have to mention Showgirls. Uh huh. Um, I I yeah. mentioned Danzig at some point. Um, yeah, I don't know. Chuck Biscuits. Name. Chuck Biscuits is the man. <laughs> Dude, Chuck those Biscuits. first three yeah. records. <laughs> oh, I know. So amazing, untouchable. So amazing. Yeah, his band. And was actually, check awesome. this out. Short story. Um, <laughs> yes, dancing Joey, story. Uh, Joey Image. Um, uh, oh God, why am I spacing on Joey's last name right now? Joey Image. Uh, no, Joey Drummer. He played in Danzig. He was in Queens. Uh, oh, oh um, uh, I've known him for like thirty years. Uh, anyway, let's just say Joey for now. I'll remember it in a second. Yeah, uh, that's part of it. Old age. Yeah. Um, so I was playing in Queens after Grohl left. Okay. Um, so Grohl did like this promotional tour and he was supposed to stay in the band, I think for a little while longer, but instead when they came back to town, he quit and said, Oh, Foo Fighters is doing another record. So they had to get another drummer. Um, you were talking about Joey Castillo. Castillo. Sorry, Joey. Sorry. Joey Castillo. (laughs) He's probably not (laughs) listening. (laughs) You know, it's old age, old age. Uh, yeah. uh, they Josh wanted Joey to play, but Joey was out on the road. He was Danzig's drummer. Yeah. Um, right. and you know we knew each other like we had a good friend relationship, and obviously Troy knew me. And Troy's like Kelly's the dude, dude. Right. Kelly's the dude. So I go yeah. in there. I learned yeah. like all of these songs in like three days. Like I don't know, it was, I think seventy songs, sixty songs. Like, basically, the first yeah, five like records. Four, yeah. yeah. Um, right. and uh. We're rehearsing and stuff. We're getting ready to get out on the road. I totally get rid of my apartment. I'm staying with a friend for the last couple of days. And oh, <laughs> a day before tour, I will never forget this. Josh calls me up. And Josh, he's like, Dude, buddy. Like, there's no good way to put this. I'm just going to tell you straight up, like, we're friends. You deserve nothing oh, less. Fuck. Joey came back in town. He's no longer playing with Danzig. We're taking him out on tour. And, you know, I'd like to, I I was definitely disappointed, but it wasn't the usual disappointment Mm. because there was something about him getting on the phone and calling me up and doing what I know is a very hard thing to do. Nobody wants to do that. Yeah. Uh, Especially friends. And Mm. I was totally killing it, but he had Joey in his mind. Like it certainly wasn't because you know, I was a bad drummer or wasn't good enough to play in Queens. Um, that was just like the ultimate drummer that he wanted. Yeah. Um, and he had an opportunity to get him and he did. And he called me up. He's like, you know, 
I'm sorry. I know you're like, you're ready to go out on tour. Just, you know, call our management, tell them what you need, like to get whole again. I know you're going to need another apartment, <laughs> you know, and some cash and like get set back up. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I was like, we're cool, man. We're cool. Uh, you know, if anything, we're cooler because of that. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Joey. Uh, and flash forward, best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. Like I, I was at a place in, in my drug use that if I had gotten into a band like that, right. if I was mm. successful and able to do drugs, especially all of those guys were doing yeah. Yeah. copious amount of drugs back then. Right. Yep. I would have killed myself. Yeah, mm. I mean, I would have definitely killed myself. Yeah, I mean, Queens of the best Stone case scenario, right worst wow. case scenario, I would have fucked things up for myself so badly that I could have never built a career back up. That makes sense. Damn. I mean, yeah, those guys yeah, fucking case, hard probably hard. would have continued to do drugs and killed myself. Right. Yeah. Holy mm. shit, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So again, like you know. Getting thrown out of your favorite band, getting cancer. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're not always like the worst things in the world. Yeah, no shit. I mean, from my personal experience, like, you know, those are one of many things that, you know, I attribute probably the most personal growth from. Definitely the most hard work. Um, you know, and that's what they do. Like, they, they immediately face you with, like you've got to make some changes yeah. or, you know, your future is not going to be good. Yeah. Man, Kelly Scott always lands <laughs> yeah, on his this feet. This is fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, love those first two Danzig records. Another story. I, I, live in, <laughs> yes. I live in Los Feliz and I used to, right when I joined Failure, I lived in Los Feliz also mm -hmm. uh, back in like, uh, uh, like 91, 92 mm -hmm. yeah. and 93 somewhere in that area, 92 to 93. And we had just had that massive earthquake. It was about a week before we went on tour with Tool okay. for like eight months right. back in 94. Yep. We'd had that huge earthquake and I uh, lived about four blocks away from Danzig. Uh, <laughs> had this house like, right on Franklin. I don't know if you guys know LA or yeah. not, but Franklin's like a main Hollywood uh, right. uh, through street. Okay. It kind of connects all of Hollywood yeah. up against just below the hills. Okay. Um, and I remember it was the funniest and I kind of felt bad a little bit afterwards, but it was still funnier than I felt bad for it. Uh, <laughs> I made a left there off my street onto Franklin and was driving by and just like looked over to my left and there was Danzig <laughs> all in black, of course, on his front porch with his head in his hands and like the left side of his house was totally collapsed. Oh, oh poor no. That's brutal. In broad daylight. Oh, in broad daylight. Bland. Yeah, which was the funny part. Like him in black right. in broad daylight. Yeah, right. In character. You know, yeah. and just the look on his like <laughs> he just had everything taken away from him. Oh, yeah. Wow. Which That's is brutal. a shitty feeling. Yeah. Man. Um, Poor Glenn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, nah, I, think, I think Glenn's fine. No, he's yeah, good. He's, he's good. He's good. Yeah. He fixed the house and it's still there. It actually looks like this weird. Cause I'm in an area where it's, it's pretty affluent. Like, you know, there are a lot of really nice houses yeah, around here yeah. and nice apartments. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, uh, it's like upper middle class and upper middle class. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
his place really sticks out because it hasn't been painted in probably 50 years. Yeah, it's, it it's looks black. like this weird old haunted house <laughs> yeah. that has like, all these dead vines blowing up yeah. the sides. And it's got an iron gate around it uh, with a completely unmanicured lawn. Perfect, yeah, perfect, um, perfect. It's like the haunted house on our block. Yeah, yeah. he. I don't think he lives there anymore. But no, no. I think he 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 had it up for sale about a year or two ago. Yeah, there's like pictures inside it from the realtor yeah. site, and it's yeah, well, like on Zillow leaked. or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's. I mean, you know, it's a million, million and a half house. Yeah, yeah. in this neighborhood, like. Yeah. Houses are not cheap. Yeah. That's well, so like a place awesome the size bit. of my apartment is a million bucks. Yeah. So if That's you crazy. would if if you would somehow play drums for Danzig uh-huh. and then go on tour with Super Drag and then watch Showgirls, this would be like the trifecta of my entire existence. He'd probably have like one a stroke thing. or something. It would be I would just con- yeah, not wouldn't be good anymore. <laughs> That would actually be a really cool – if I could do all of that in six weeks, <laughs> that would be a really, really good run. Yeah, Agreed. <laughs> For anybody. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, – yeah, I think that's uh, – that would I, would I would continue to exist and somehow um, – I want to but thank yeah, you. make make sure to do, make sure. If, I mean, if you're into it, you got to do that. Every time you do one of these, send me a link to it, and you'll never know which one Billy it is. Scott's just gonna pop, pop in, be like, "My ficus yeah. is fucked up." Well, <laughs> well, see now, Kelly. You never know. I might call you from the toilet. <laughs> I might call you out walking the dog. Look, Loving I mean, it. I might, Loving I, it. I might not even be wearing pants right now. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely wearing pants. Actually, I gotta go charge my car. We're going on a trip tomorrow. Oh, nice. nice. Well, um, where are you going? All right, all right. Uh, up to um, uh, not that far. We're going up to see my mother-in-law. Oh, okay. Um, for a late Christmas get together. Cool, cool. cool. Um, she lives. Uh, she's about two hours northeast of us. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Well, nice. uh, charge your car. And yes. um, thank you very, very much for taking the time yes, to come honestly, out here and hang with you us. So you're, you're welcome to come Seriously, back anytime. Thank you, thank you. Awesome. Thank you for being such a, a important part of the soundtrack of my life and let yeah. me fanboy for two hours here. Yeah. Uh, uh, for those listening, um, thank you. This has been the Crush Monocle podcast. Like and subscribe, share, give us good reviews, blah, blah, blah. Go buy the fa- the, the failure discography. Yep. And uh, yeah. Check out Kelly Scott. Let him play drums on your record. Yeah, hire yeah. Kelly Scott. Hey, to do some Kelly Scott at Yahoo. Kelly Scott at Kelly Yahoo. Scott at Yahoo. Yep. Up, and it's Kelly with two eyes. Make sure autocorrect doesn't get rid of one of them. Yeah. Yes. Double L, we'll double kill I. Yeah. I get rid of that. I, I get that a lot. Actually, people are like, dude, what happened? Like, I sent you my stuff. You don't like it, huh? Did you forget to put one of the eyes in there? It's happened um, like half a dozen times. Uh, so definitely check that out. And uh, thank you for listening. This has been the Crush Monocle Podcast. This is Coop. That's John. Thanks, everyone. And that's Kelly. That's Kelly. Kelly Scott. Kelly motherfucking Scott. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>